Welcome to the Main Deck Podcast. If you like games like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, and many, many more, you're in the right place. For all of our TCG news and content and links to all of our socials, visit www.maindeck.games. Now, on to the show. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Main Deck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Green, and today I am joined by a new guest, Dana Mickelson. How's it going, Dana? It is going quite well. Good to hear. Um, Dana. Dana's joining us because today we are doing uh, yet another episode in our um, our December series. The first time we've ever released so many podcasts in one month, so I do hope you guys are enjoying all of the content we're releasing. This is episode four of a total of of nine episodes, eight of which are lookbacks. And then we do have one really fun look forward to 2023 episode coming right on New Year's Eve this year. So if uh, if you tune in right then, you'll be able to catch it right before the new year starts and maybe start your new, new year off in style. So um, <laughs> Dana, I'm so happy to have you on today because um, all of my other usual co-hosts uh, don't really play magic um or they've been a little too out of it or whatever and or they've been doing sure. other games and um i was really happy to be able to reach out to you and that you were really interested in coming on oh absolutely yeah thank you very much i was actually kind of flattered so no <laughs> of course um i you know dana dana you are in in my local area you're one of the kind of the main guys running magic events right now um yes yep. and uh and i guess I think the big thing, the big place we need to start with this is just uh, go ahead and give the listeners kind of an introduction to who you are and and why you're so dang special. <laughs> well, I don't know about special, um, but I've been uh, I've been playing Magic since I think '94 is when I first got into it. Right, uh, right in the revised the dark, mm. um, missed out on Legends and Antiquities for the most of it. Uh, bought a lot of uh, my '79 cent Fallen Empires packs. <laughs> Um, things a like good that. Set, a good set. Right, right. <laughs> uh, him to Turok. <laughs> it had a couple bangers. It did. Um, but I've been, you know, in and out of the game for, you know, since that time. You know, there's been times where I come back um, after, you know, after a year or two. And now it's been, I think I kind of came in, you know, right in, actually was ran into you at the at Paradox and uh, with Commander Legends. Yes. And, uh, and I, I love jumped, this story jumped into that and you're like oh yeah you check these out because it was they still had collector packs at that time which you know 20 bucks a pack was a little bit crazy for me but i'm like ah you know you're like well but yeah you can get this this and this i'm like oh okay let's give it a shot and i think uh i think that very first one there was a foil vampiric tutor or something foil like vampiric that. tutor is what you opened out of the first i remember that yeah <laughs> like you were in for something completely unrelated i you know i'm not right. sure what you were you were after we're, you had no idea you were going to be walking home rekindling your love for the hobby Right, right. Yeah, it was. I think I was in for a board game or something or RPG. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, you, you are a true uh, old school player. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe some of the like true old school players would be like, no, no, no. It's it's got to be the first four sets. Which it sounds like right. you were right after that. <laughs> but right, right. I consider you a true old school player. That's well before my time. I I didn't get in until um, I started Magic in Apocalypse. Actually, was the I remember the first okay. like new set that was coming out. So I was, but right at the timeline, I like started with the, the good, the good old seventh edition starter set with the, the thorn elemental and everything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, you're, you're speaking about that. Um, I was just, just talking to a player the other, the other night, I think it was on Friday and, 
and uh, a friend of his or his cousin of his mom used to work at Barnes and Noble, and she had like seven unopened seventh edition starter sets. Oh that wow! She, that cool. she gifted, you know, with Thorn Elemental. I mean, I mean, individually, the I mean, the the cards weren't really set up. I mean, there was no organization to them. It's basically just like two starter decks. And yeah. uh, you know, there's it's fourth edition, so your value is probably Sylvan Library and and Mana Vault. But I mean, as far as nostalgia, there's some good stuff in there. So. Yeah, definitely. If I I can still picture that um, for me, just that seventh edition starter set box and the it came with this little CD that was like I remember taking the CD and like popping in the computer and be like I'm gonna learn how to play this and like going through their little like guided demonstration, and that that set had a really weird like a pack that I remember confused everybody because the pack said all over it. It was like this just a it was like I think either a white or a silver. I think it might have been a white pack that just says do not open all over it. I think it was like, it was, you weren't supposed to open it until you played through like the guided game or something. You're supposed to like pop the CD in and like play a guided game without like shuffling anything or whatever. And then, uh, and then you're supposed to crack that open and you got some like, honestly, just awful, like garbage, like, Oh, make your deck better. (laughs) (laughs) You can put a hill giant in now. (laughs) Like, wow, cool. A two, two for three. Right. Right, right. Uh, yeah, good, good times, good times. Um, Dana, what, what other hobbies? So people kind of get a get a feel for who you are. What other sort of nerd hobbies have you been into in your life? Uh, well, I I have a lot of board games. I play a lot mm. of board games. Uh, I've got a ridiculous amount. Um, if I sh- showed my camera on here, I've got like three. Uh, just to my to my left over here, I've got a uh, shelf up to the ceiling uh, filled with games. I've got one in the opposite wall and the other opposite wall all the way to the ceiling with games. Beautiful. Uh, Mine's my dining room. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we replaced the hutch with a, bo- a, a bunch of board games instead. So instead but, of having you... like dishes we never use, we have board games I never play. Right. Right. Yeah. There's. <laughs> I, I believe that there are some here that uh, are still in the still in their cellophane. I honestly wouldn't consider you a true board gamer if that wasn't the case. All right. That's. <laughs> I think that's a requirement. And it's uh, and I used I used to be a big uh, big uh, Warhammer 40k player. Um, yes. Um, I haven't bought any models for quite some time, um, but I have I still have a uh, a large amount of unpainted models, uh, a whole bunch of 30k stuff, um, some old 40k stuff, you know, and I've got probably sixty thousand points of painted models. So I've got a wow, I got a big display good. cabinet in the basement that's. Space Marines, Adeptus Mechanicus, Death Guard, and uh, I got some Titans. I got one Titan and a few Knights. So, I um, uh, first of all, I also wouldn't consider you a true Warhammer player unless you didn't have a bunch of unpainted models. That's right, that's a requirement. Right. Re- it is required. Yeah. I think Dana, that's where that's where you and I got to know each other a bit more. Was was um, oh, I yeah, had a yeah. I had a stint in uh, in 40k for a while too. And yeah, Necrons, um, if I'm not mistaken. That, that was my first army back when back when before the the like update when the sure. models you got were just. Do you want Necron warriors? Because that's what you get. Yeah, you get yeah. Necron warriors and more warriors and and like. Um, it was before the whole like Egyptianizing of the faction. Oh yeah, the, the futurized Tomb Kings, <laughs> which honestly like really worked for me. I was like incredibly yeah. stoked. Like I liked the initial idea of Necrons, but then when they when they made them Egyptian, I like I doubled down. I was like, oh yeah, this is like everything I'm into. So I love that. I, I have a I still have all those, and then I eventually later on I got into um, 
when I like I stopped for a while and I came back and I got into Thousand Suns and I, oh, I awesome um, had a lot of fun painting uh, rubrics even though rubric Marines are are just so detailed that it's like so much work you have to do yeah, gold trimming everything. Just about all the Chaos Space Marines are all way more way more decorated than any of the uh, any of like the regular Space Marines and all the spikes get... and yep. stuff everywhere. Yep, and the you know if you're doing chaos undivided, you got Horus Lupercal's eye from the Luna Wolves and skulls. Mm. Well, I mean you got skulls everywhere for everything. So of course maybe, for the skull throne, maybe except for Tau. I think they're the only ones that don't have skulls. <laughs> so well, you could always buy that Games Workshop pack of skulls and just toss them on the base. Uh, I, I have. <laughs> I, I, I have. <laughs> that was always one of my favorite products that they sold. Just a bag full of skulls of various sizes because they knew that you needed skulls in your life. Right, right. You had, <laughs> there was, I remember there was that little Necron head. You had Tyranid, you had the Tyranid, mm -hmm. uh, like warrior skulls and Eldar helmets and all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, um, it was actually, I think, some of seeing some of your paint jobs early on that really inspired me too. That that got me like, like thinking, like, man, like it's this, this is really impressive stuff. And like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how because like I could easily word this in a really offensive way, like, well, if Dana can do it, I can do it. But it was like <laughs> that's not true. that's not what I mean. That's true. <laughs> no, I mean it. As with anything, you know, the more you do it, the the better you get at it. And I, you know, seeing some of the first models that I did, they're terrible. Um, a matter of fact, I went back and repainted the entirety of my Space Marines. It was... Oh, really? And, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you just start learning techniques. And, you know, I'd, I worked nights at the time, so I'd, so I'd sometimes bring my stuff to, to work uh, in the operations center of the server room and paint in there, much <laughs> to the dismay of my supervisor. But hey. work got done, so and I didn't leave a mess. So it was all good. <laughs> there you go. You never um, spilled a bottle of Nuln oil all over it? Not in the, not in there, in my basement. Oh, yeah. No, definitely, it's, definitely. of course. Again, once again, you would not be considered a true Warhammer player if you haven't <laughs> spilled a bottle of Nuln oil or uh, Devlin mud or whatever. Right. Especially <laughs> once they came out with those, like, those, I guess those uh, taller bottles. Yeah. The, those are just more knockdown oh, prone. I'm not sure why right. they did that. That was like the biggest problem with them was you knocked them down. The making them taller, that doesn't help. That makes it I, easier. I ended up using either poster putty or I used to take a, just a, a little circle of masking tape and tape them down. Oh, so you just stuck it down. <laughs> like, <Right>. I'm so <laughs> prone to knocking this bottle over that I literally have to adhere it to my table. Right, like, right. you know, God forbid we just start to take a little more care around the bottle. <laughs> well, I mean, you get you get into it, you know, yes. and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. And then you're like, oh, I got to grab this paint. And then, oh, oh. <laughs> you really do though like i felt like once once you kind of got the feel for painting and by the way you're like right away too i was also like i i made the the absolute we okay we called we called this i'm getting gonna get off topic because this is really funny i think we called this necron that i had uh footloose was his name okay <laughs> and the reason i had a necron warrior named footloose was that i had taken my very first necron warrior that i bought and and here was here you can everyone can get a feel for my my brilliance on my own. Okay, I, I I am surrounded by an incredible support network of people that do an incredible job of masking my inherent stupidity. Okay, if you think anything good about me, it's it's not it's not just me that's causing it. It's uh, it's due to that. So, um, my 
my very first Necron Warrior was painted because I thought I would just be able to figure it out. I went to like Michael's or something and I like bought random paint supplies and I'm like, sure, this will work or whatever. And then I uh, I just kind of slapped on some I think it was like a, a gesso or guess. I don't even know what it's pronounced. I'm like really gesso, yeah. thick gesso. Yeah, like yep. but I just slid there's like a gesso primer and I just like lathered the dude in it. And I'm like, cool. And then, I, and then I let it dry. And then I like took, and so at this point, any details are already just covered in, right, in right. like, and then I took some like random colors. I started putting them on. I'm like, they say it'll look good eventually. So just keep going. And then I like, after a while I sat back and I looked and I thought, I'm an, I'm a moron. This looks, how can, how did I fail this so badly? Like this, this looks terrible. So then I went to the sink and I'm like scrubbing him with soap. I'm like, I got to get it all off. And eventually I just <laughs> scrubbed his foot off. Um, oh. <laughs> so he lost his foot, but I saved it. It didn't go down the sink. And then I sat everything down and I thought, okay, maybe if I like read a thing online, maybe then I, <laughs> I could like figure out what I'm doing. And I went and I I read even a single thing, you know, I, I hadn't read anything. I went and I started reading stuff and I'm like, okay, okay. So you buy these specific like acrylic paints and you do a, like yep. a primer, you can do a spray primer and, and boom, boom. I started doing everything. And then after I started working on other warriors, I got to the end and I, I, you know, I only had nine warriors of a 10 man squad. And I'm like, well, all right, foot loose. It's time for you. And I went and I, I painted him back up and I painted his little foot and I glued his little foot on the base and made it look like he lost his foot in the war. <laughs> and and awesome. that was my first model I painted. I still have him. No, oh, awesome. No, you know, I actually just watched a, uh, a guy go through and paint, uh, a, uh, 2000 point army with craft paints from Michael's or Hobby Lobby. And I bet he did an incredible job. Yeah, but I mean, this guy, I mean, he went and took all the paints, separated them, thinned them out, had a viscosity cup so he could determine how thick it was. And I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you see, you really need to know what you're doing at, at some point, though, if you're going to go in and get those like that's that's the really nice thing. That's the brilliant thing about how Games Workshop does this is that they so like, yes, everything costs like an exorbitant amount like not gonna argue that 100 percent. it's 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 a luxury hobby with luxury prices but the nice thing is that if you if you have the the change if you can spare it you can get into that hobby and all you really have to do is pick up the pick up the games workshop brand stuff if you if you want the easy route here and it's hard to get wrong at that point they make it they just kind of everything's at the right viscosity the paints are good the the sprays work uh you just and you just kind of the glue works and they have all the tools you need you just walk in your warhammer store and be like i'm getting started here's my credit card give me the things i need <laughs> right, or whatever right, right. um and uh and you know that there is something to be said about about just kind of like making that entry to the hobby so much easier which i think really accounts for why they've been able to do so well um in the market for so long well, and, and even recently, I mean, even recently as five years ago or so, even even further back when they started, when they started with their starter packs, like where you could get a starter army, you know, mm. and they were like 50 to $60. Uh, that's how I got Adeptus Mechanicus. I mean, basically you got, you got the, I think you got a dune crawler tank and a couple, you know, a, uh, a couple squads and then one command unit and it was yeah. like 50 bucks. And normally just that dune crawler was like 50 bucks. So you're like, oh, this is a heck of a deal. And I think I bought like three or four of them. 
Those start collecting boxes, depending on the army, could be just like a, yeah, absolutely a great deal. Yep. I know, but I I know when they put out the Thousand Suns one, it was like really good. Like in the past few years, I still follow some like Thousand Suns like Facebook groups or whatever. So I see them being posted. But one of the ones that came on the last probably three, four years, maybe something like that was like a a bunch of stuff that you want. And like Zangors, which a lot of people didn't like because they don't like the theme, but. Um, and they're, I think they're bad now from what my Facebook feed tells me, but right, whatever right. at the time they were fine. And like some rubrics, of course, um, the basic Marines for thousand sons. And then it came with, um, Aramon. Okay. Yep. Which is like, so like, again, yeah, start collecting like, great. Yeah. You pick up this box. That's good. But then the thing you're saying, like, oh, I'm going to buy three or four. Like the problem is like, you can't, you can't have three or four named characters named True. Aramon. True. It doesn't quite work. So they're they're a little hit or miss depending um yeah but so when they hit they're like um sometimes those things just like sell out too like games workshop only makes so many of them and then they're like they're gone so yeah that that seems to happen a lot and i I see that on certain facebook groups where there's like yeah get the start collecting box if you can find it then you'll find it you know being scalped on ebay for for what you'd pay retail for buying all those things separately yeah yeah which is which is very silly and I, the, around this time of year, too, they usually put out their, like, Battle Force boxes, which I, like, yep. always wanted to pick up because they're, like, three start collecting boxes in one yep. or, or more. Right, um, right. But I never had the the cash slash the need for, like, any of the armies they put out while I was playing. But right. it always seemed like such a sick deal. And, like, it's so – it's actually – it's a lot like a Magic Commander deck um, in that it's just so enticing when you look at the whole thing laid out there and you think, oh, you think of all the fun you'd have, like – playing that and everything and and then you're like yeah but it's like three hundred dollars <laughs> that was a very good transition that oh yeah thank you <laughs> thank you thank you um i do want to i want to ask you one question right before we go to the main topic which is um sure. and because this is actually from my um my own interest because you you did play magic during uh what we consider in the tcg space uh the first sort of golden age of tcgs which is this this era in the sort of late 90s um where like scry magazine had 16 new tcgs on every in every issue and and they were popping up left and right and like you played right when it was uh and and all the regular listeners know i'm i'm basically setting this up specifically to make this mention like i try to do every episode but you played right when magic was right there with star star wars ccg oh yeah yeah my initial game star trek and and all those ones so did you ever dabble in other games dana i did um spellfire if you can remember oh, that one spellfire nice the that's dungeons a classic and, the dungeons and dragon ones uh and and actually when i got introduced to magic i also played vampire oh of course yes which was so also was... made by um a wizards at the time right yep yep and so those were those were the two games that I played uh I got into initially. And uh and and did you like so uh, we're going to we're gonna take a little t- quick time machine. So when you were playing those were there I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing kind of like was it was it similar to how the you know like a shop these days will have uh tournaments every you know one day of the week for like every game or whatever were you able to like go to weekly tournaments for those at the time or was it like more of a casual thing so spellfire was completely casual um i didn't i had like two friends who played it and they both lived in the cities um with vampire um that again was in the cities like there was a shop um i think how was it uh shinders in burnsville is where i played vampire like actually in in like a league when i was down there um but but 
other than that, the only thing that I usually saw was um, was Magic. That was the that was the like the first game where I saw like a whole bunch of nerds in a room playing a game. Yeah. With, with you know organized play so yeah that's that's really it's really interesting to me because that's like that period of time was like right before i was just a little too young at the time to really get into them my first experience playing a ccg was um star wars ccg was was my which which anyone who knows that game is like that was your first ccg because that game was like pretty obtuse on a few of the rules but sure Ask me any time. I will cleanly explain to you how attrition works. I, I know it by heart in Star Wars right CCG. On. It's the what everyone thought was the most complicated mechanic. Um, they're right, too. Um, but uh, my first experience was like I I got that this like two player customizable card game. Um, that's what it's called. The, the two player customizable yep. starter set um, sure. uh, for like Christmas because my my parents just bought me like a pile of star Wars things. I don't know. They went to the store and they're like, if it had star Wars on it, they just like made a pile of it. And it was, I remember like waking up a Christmas morning and going under my stocking and there's just like a pile of star Wars things. I'm like, Whoa, like, look at all. Like there's like a puzzle and, uh, and like some, like, I don't know, socks or something or whatever. And then there's like this little two player card game starter set. And I was like, what, what the heck is this? And little did they know what they were starting me on when they gave me that. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> But then I I tried to figure out how to play the game and I like didn't I didn't get it because <laughs> I was like I don't know eight or something at the time I was right, like right. couldn't quite grasp what was going on in this I remember going to my brother being like can you like holding the attrition page and like what is this <laughs> and he was like I don't know <laughs> um, but eventually I met um, uh, a guy who then who was a, is a local in our area too um, named Andy Dahl who you probably know. Yeah, that I name sounds definitely sounds familiar. Yeah. He he's he's gone into in and out of all sorts of different hobbies in our area. Um I met him because he babysat me <laughs> at one oh, point. Okay. And uh he I he I don't remember if he was like used like messing with his cards or I was like messing with mine, but what in one way or another we connected and he was like, Wait, you have these cards? And I was like, Yeah, I do. Um, but I don't understand how to play. And he's like, Well, I'll show you because at the time he was like a he was like, I don't know if he's like organizing or just being like a tournament ringer or whatever at the time, but he was like really, really into it um, sure. and ended up like showing me how to play and taking me to my first tournament, which was um, held in a local college, uh, like just like if a room that they had for events or something, oh, sure. yeah. um, like a gymnasium or something. Cause I remember like going there, like, playing around and then just like running around on these like rafters or something. Cause I was like just a kid and I like bored or whatever. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, and I got like destroyed in the game too, um, in, in the matches, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like my experience back then during that time was very different than one that I would have now. I wasn't like looking for tournaments or whatever. I was just kind of going with whatever my babysitter said was cool at the time and like, oh, sure. Like going sure. to that event. So, um, I didn't really start doing, uh, looking for tournaments until more like Pokemon had set in. Um, and, uh, and then it was just still just like magic and Pokemon were like the events that you could yep. find. Yep. Um, and then it feels like it was, it feels like once magic had kind of set the stage for everything, um, they, they really, you know, with the, the creation of the DCI and everything, they, yep. they sort of like really showed everyone, here's how you can do a right. tournament structure. 
Right. Um, and it, and then I think all the other games started like following suit after that. Yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. They, I mean, the original structure they had actually, I mean, basically assigning everybody a number, uh, you know, it, it just made it easy. You just walk in, here's my DCI number, you know, and stores started to have access to the internet, you know, regularly, or they could send it in. Yeah. And so that was a good way to keep track of players. And, uh, and I remember there used to be a points rating. If you had a certain points rating, you're, you know, you're a pretty good player. Yeah. I, I never, never had a good points rating. <laughs> No, I, I don't remember. I don't think I saved my history when they finally closed it down a few years ago. So I don't know what like my final ELO ended up being or whatever. I, well, I think they stopped that, but I think that's changed to Planeswalker points before yeah. then. So I never yeah. even got to, I don't remember what mine was. It, it, um, I don't think it was like particularly high, although I did have a pretty decent run of events, like around the, the Zendikar Shards of Lara era after I came back okay. and like, wasn't nine years old and like, you know, I could like right. start to actually think about this on a more competitive level. Yeah, and I know even like when I first started playing Magic, you know, it was like, oh, that's a cool card. I'm throwing it in my deck, you know, and the whole 60 card, you know, the whole 60 card deck thing never never came into <laughs> into to, the thoughts on casual play. I don't think it was, it wasn't until about Tempest that I think I, that we really started uh, actually looking at mana curves and, you know, and, and making sure that we had all the cards that we needed. Really? So, Interesting. So like even even at a tournament back then, there wasn't a because we I think we have the we have these we're sort of fogged up by our just like under like there's this basic understanding of card games that we all have at this point, right. um, which makes it hard to really think about how people would have thought in that in that era specifically. So like there wasn't this just like optimization happening of your decks. It was just kind of right. like oh if, if it's a good card, it's, it's a in. good card. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Really? Wow. Kind of like casual commander. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, it, that's where commander kind of takes me back. Cause it's, you know, other than the singleton format, you know, it's kind of like playing old kitchen table magic. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that that still depends on the person. Unfortunately though, there's like, I, I don't know if unfortunately is the right term here. There's, I have so many mixed thoughts about this. I've been meaning to, I think I've said this in like six podcasts at this point too. I've been meaning to put out a video that it kind of, talks a little bit about uh, my view on on commander specifically but um I, th I i do think that right now there's some interesting uh just sort of like we have now this baseline of op of just like general optimizations that we tend to think about when we're talking about a, a competitive deck i think a lot of people who get into commander very quickly also adopt a set of of sort of not not necessarily always just optimizations but things like like checking edhrec.com yeah, oh, for like yep. and like which i so like edhrec is an example of like i think it's a i think it's an incredible incredibly useful and interesting resource and at the same time i like think people should stop going to it like all the time like necessarily no i i agree i mean it it it's kind of, it kind of makes the the meta itself you know when someone says i'm running this commander um then you're going to be familiar with most of the cards that they're running in there. If they're especially a person who, who goes and checks EDH rec. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of like, there, there are definitely optimizations that you can make in commander. But I think, I think at the end of the day, the, the, um, the optimizations that you make are either they're in like one of two categories. One category is it's a minor optimization, um, that, 
because of the hundred card format, like doesn't necessarily affect your like win ratio appreciably. Um, and then on the other side of things, there's, there are definitely like combos and, and consistency tools you can set up that will, um, absolutely create your, you know, create a more efficient gameplay engine for you. Um, but I think there's the cost to that is that like you might not necessarily know that you don't want to do that until you've like right. done it a few times or something. Um, I think there are some players who will who will at least be with me on that. I, like not necessarily everyone, of course, because there's a lot of like CEDH style players who are just like, yeah, right. yeah, I just like I like the idea of the format playing this specific way. And then, sure. you know, that's that that's where like I couldn't recommend uh, EDH rec enough you know, to, to those players is like, yeah, it's just going to show you all the like optimal best yep. synergy tools or whatever. But like, I think a lot of players, um, are really better served for what they might be looking for in the format to just like, if they're at like 99 cards and they would need to find one more, like, okay, pop up wreck and like, you know, what's a yeah. good card that you haven't put in yet. You know, you can do that. Um, sure. but otherwise like, I think a lot of the time you'll have more fun and you'll actually be surprised at how little it impacts your win ratio, or in fact, it can actually positively impact your win ratio by playing less powerful or more interesting or more niche or just more fun cards. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I mean, there, and I, and I definitely take that uh, and understand that, you know, for me, I'm not a combo, you know, super high power player. I do have like one deck that is, probably considered a it's not quite cedh but it would be a power nine or more and that's my yuriko deck sure and that's and it's just basically because there's expensive cards in there and yeah. expensive cards are <laughs> they're good know, there's they're good <laughs> you know we got the you know mox diamond and and duels you know original duels things like that so uh, right. other than the the broken commander ninjutsu you know mechanic yeah. which <laughs> mechanic which, is so busted <laughs> You know, because there's, I've got several like one drop counter spells where you set, you know, you got to sack a blue permanent to counter a spell, and it's one blue. Oh, I'm gonna sack my commander so I can ninjutsu her in the next turn. Yeah, Oops. <laughs> yeah, it's that that mechanic's so funny because it's like, okay, I love the idea, I love the concept. It's, but it definitely seems to me like one of those scenarios of just because you can doesn't mean you necessarily should have right, like printed right. this on a thing. Um, but like it, it like it may be needed just a little bit more like tweaking to make it so it doesn't just always dodge the commander tax like right. and everything. It's like well, and you know, and, and since then, I mean, you look at like cards like Ragavan. You know, the dash the dash mechanic doesn't dodge commander tax. So that's true. I've never played. I've never sat against a monkey player and. And uh, I guess it, maybe that's more of a CEDH thing is why. Like, but I, I don't know. I I guess I never even really thought about a Regavan commander deck. So yeah, you're totally right. You just keep dashing them in, huh? That's right. That's, right. Well, can you can you dash them from the command zone? I believe you can. It doesn't but... have to be like in your hand or something. Right. Right. I think mm. you can dash them from the command zone, and then it it doesn't pop back to the command zone. It'll go back to your hand. Yeah. It's just yep. it just must say you must you may cast this for its dash cost or whatever. So. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's if that's the case. That's spicy. <laughs> Some right, spicy right. Regavan tech. I actually just got my first Regavan um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, another joint friend of ours, uh, 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 Tim had uh, Tim Larue oh, had. Uh, yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, we sat down. We played some Commander a couple weeks ago, and I uh, had some great games. I showed him the power. We talked about this in a previous podcast. I showed him the power of my mono red Delina Wild Mage deck. Um, oh, she right. is a Delina is an awesome card. She's is so fun. 
right, right. Yeah, and the I think it was the My Hero episode. Um, Mitch that was asking me some questions about uh, about my favorite deck, Commander deck, right now, and every like every time I crack that deck open, I have just such a, a blast. No one really sees the like power of it coming, but I end up doing like such goofy stuff all the time. I love making a million combustible gear hulks. And just being like, how much damage do you want to take? Or can I draw three? Your choice. Maybe maybe you got Inferno Titan in there? Oh, I do. Oh, I oh, do. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's of awesome. Course. That's awesome. Inferno Titan. I have the I have the uh, Kaldheim showcase version of Inferno Titan. Ooh, it set me back nice. a good two bucks, and it's beautiful. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 Dana, they, thank you for that. that was, I think that's very helpful for people getting a, a feel for who you are. And I, I think it's going to be really cool having um, your take on things, just having a bit of that sort of uh, that more original era of MTG old school style, as well as, you know, being in, directly involved in the new school and everything. And I, sure. I think the thing, I, the thing that I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, my, my understanding of your take was that you're, you're a pretty well-rounded guy in general. Cause you get a lot of like old school guys who are like, yeah, old school or bust, you know, but like oh, yeah. you can, you can, I think see kind of on, on both sides of the, uh, of the spectrum. Yeah. It's, you know, what, a, you know, from my old days at Paradox playing and, you know, doing the old, what is it, Tuesday or Thursday night drafts and, and doing the Iron Man pre-releases and things like that. <laughs> Those ones. You know, a lot of, a lot of the, the players that used to play there, they don't, we don't, there's, I don't see that competitive that used to be with a lot of those players. I mean, it still exists. Don't get me wrong, but it was, I mean, almost to the point of being a little toxic you know, this would go back, I guess, like Brad Nelson era. Sure. Used to play at the shop. Um, yeah. Yeah. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know, pro pro player Brad Nelson was uh, was a local at our shop for a while. And yeah, there was definitely some teeth cutting happening for our players yep. back then. It was like yep. that was a competitive, competitive era in our in our region until. Well, it wasn't it wasn't like because he moved away or anything, I think no. um, it just like was a, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a number of things that go into it, but um if I if I really had to peg anything, I I think, and we're going to talk about this. This maybe is our transition in general, but um, Magic has made a number of decisions. Wizards has made a number of decisions over time, and and one of them during that area was was sort of like changing how they approached competitive events in general, and and changing their their because what you're talking about is really the the last era of PTQs just being yep. like a you know you you go to the PTQ. And then you play in the PTQ and that's how you qualify for a pro tour, yep. pro tour qualifier for people who don't know. Um, and then they change it. Okay. Well now you can go to a pre PTQ and then right. you can go to a regional PTQ if yep. you win in the pre PTQ. And, and it's sort of, I think that really obfuscated the, the route to being a competitive player. Oh and, yeah. I mean, yeah. and I think it took a while, but it really like, I think it kicked people out of being interested. Well, I mean, yeah, you really had to dedicate yourself. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you can see, I mean, that was one thing that Brad did. I mean, he really dedicated mm -hmm. himself to that. His brother dedicated himself to that. And there was both there's... incredible players, too. Right, right. And, you know, I, I remember, I mean, way back in the day, I remember playing with Corey and he actually taught me some things. And the funny thing is you mentioned Tim, you mentioned Tim LaRue. Mm -hmm. I, I originally introduced Magic to Tim and oh, nice. Tim is a far better player than I am. I mean, he is he, once once he got really into it, he kind of showed me some of the optimizations that we talked about earlier. 
So, yeah. I mean, and, and he's very modest and he'll never admit it, but he's a very good player. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he is, he is too. And we were, we were really just like throwing around cards for fun that night. And, and he, I think that's what he does now is he's, he's just really playing commander and like kind of yep. goofing around and stuff. But, um, I always, I, I can always tell, I feel like when I play Tim, there's, there's this, like, he's never like, he's never really showing his hand, but he's always he's always thinking on that next level yep. about yep. about the whole thing and and he'll just kind of get you when he when he pulls off something like that he'll he'll have a little smirk and a smile and like nope that's that's what happens here and you're like oh man you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got me <laughs> yep yep yeah yeah so so i think let's let's use that as a little springboard here so the topic of the day is um i think i maybe didn't even mention this at the beginning but i'm sure people can read the title um 2022 look back on magic the gathering here uh, with Dana and myself, we're going to dive into how, how Magic the Gathering was treated in 2022. And boy, Dana, it was a year for, it was a year of, of some kind for Magic the Gathering. Right. I think we can agree right. on that. Oh, absolutely. Um, so just to give a little context, I think this has been most helpful for, uh, for everyone to start by just kind of outlining the era we're talking about. So what 2022 was. Um, so 2022 for Magic the Gathering uh began with Innistrad double feature which I would love to talk about some amount here um right. yeah and uh and delved into a few new core sets Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Streets of New Capenna Dominari United and the Brothers War so those are all our standard sets but yep. Magic is not is not happy to just release four sets a year that would be no. that would be far too few yeah, um, those, those are the the tent pole yes sets. Uh, in addition, then we had that Innistrad double feature. We had uh, Dungeons and Dragons Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander Legends. Probably wins the the award for the longest title of the year. Yes. Um, Unfinity released eventually. <laughs> we'll and, talk about that. And Double Masters twenty twenty. Double Masters twenty twenty two took everyone's money right in the middle of the year. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> There's a Jumpstart twenty twenty two product that released right at the end of the year here. Um, yep. which is just coming out now as, uh, as we're looking at our Dominaria remastered previews for next year. Um, yes, there was a Warhammer 40 K. Hey, well, how convenient too. We talked about Warhammer right, right. going into this. So <laughs> Warhammer 40 K commander deck release happened as well as, um, I can't even go into the number of secret layers that released this year, but including collaborations with street fighter and, and everyone's favorite Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the right response. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, transformers oh and yeah we had we have we have a new transformers secret layer up right now but then the transformers came into brothers war also yep and that man okay so so that was that was our year of of releases dana what um i don't know i don't even know where to start but dana well, how was 2022 well i mean i think we can start with we'll start at the beginning uh we'll start okay. with Innistrad double feature um i i think <laughs> You know, the expectations with Double Feature were like, we're going to curate some cards from each uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt, which is from earlier that uh, earlier in 2021. And then with Crimson Vow, which came out, was, was kind of the holiday season set from 2021. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is they basically just used the same art and then finished everything in black and white and then just slapped the, card, slapped the two sets together yeah, and then increased the price. Photoshop desaturate yes exactly they, they did it. okay okay um 
I don't, I don't disagree at all. Uh, man, I, I want to start by saying what a product I think this would have been if it were a curated set. Yes, it would have um, been awesome. Very cool, like draft format could have been created because there's there are some interesting sort of synergies that can exist between those two sets uh, with the mechanics they use. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, okay, just like just to like slightly devil's advocate, I guess on this uh, Tybalt's advocate or something. Um, <laughs> I'm so there 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 are some different card frames that were applied. So it's, it, they, yep. I think a lot of people like to use the desaturate joke I did, which, um, but, but they, they did go and they put, they put in some different card frames and then there is a unique foiling that the silver screen foil silver is, screen foiling. is actually different, um, than just your, your bog standard foil on cards. Oh, certainly. Um, certainly. So they're like, there's like a couple of things there, but it's, uh, it's the kind of release that um, I think it was it was there was so much just like anticipation for like what that meant right away. Um, and then when it was finally revealed, it was it just felt felt like a letdown. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people felt that um, I think uh, monetarily for the people who are collecting sealed product, it was a limited release. And so I know there was quite a few people who bought like just, you know, I'll take a case of those. Yeah. And they're going to sit on them because it's it's a limited release. And, you know, five years from now, they're going to get there. I mean, even now they're going to you can get some decent money for them. You're going to I, get, I think get your investment. I said that right after they released, too, because I, I mean, I think it would like it's not like this was uh, any sort of a, a crazy called shot or anything. <laughs> it's like, it feels like right. a pretty low hanging fruit called shot. But like, yep. yeah, the, just the fact that it was a limited release and. Um, and due to the fact that there are, because it's just the two sets combined, there's so many rares and mythics. Um, it would mean that, uh, and plus a foil in every pack, it would mean that when you happen to hit a foil of anything good, yeah. there's some real potential value there. So it did, it did, I did peg it right away as the kind of set where like, even if this is like kind of disappointing, um, I think you can sit on this and be pretty happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I agree. And I think a lot of people do. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and there were some definitely good cards in there. I mean, and it's, you know, and it's, I know some people who went in and they're like, I'm going to collect the entire set of foils. And I'm like, uh, party on (laughs) (laughs) quite an undertaking to do that. Um, but, but other than that, I think it was, I think because it was not curated, there was in the general, you know, the general feel I got from players was that it was like, you know, yeah, it's cool, I guess, but I'm not really excited by it because we just got done with Innistrad. I want something else. Yeah, I think it it was an interesting choice too to release it immediately following Crimson Vow. Like, right. don't you think this is the kind of product where if if like next year it comes out or something and they're they're like, hey, you know, remember these these cards? You've gotten to see like how they performed and like how about how about you pick up some more and like remember the good old times of blood right. tokens and and um god trying to track day and night in paper <laughs> you know and and even you know had they released it a little down the road and then included some stuff from shadows included some stuff from the original Innistrad thrown in there you know just maybe like in a mystical archive slot or something like that i think that would yeah. be kind of neat like like why couldn't this have just been a um Innistrad remastered yeah, kind yeah, of set exactly. where like they just take they take that you know Innistrad's a just a fan favorite plane they they take a best a greatest hits of of 
Innistrad shadows, original Innistrad block, shadows yep. over Innistrad yep. block, the Midnight Hunt Crimson Vow stuff, and then they have a slot where you get silver screen foils, alternate, you know, alternate yeah. framing of the cards. And like they can do all that stuff. It's just like right. it really just felt like they kicked it out the door as it because they I don't I don't know. It's really I'm never the person who just goes, yeah, it was a cash grab, but it's really hard for me to look at it and not like think this just feels like it wasn't um it, it was there it wasn't a fully thought out product just kind of one that kicked out yeah yeah and i i feel you there for the cash grab i mean that and that is a general consensus among among just about everybody that that was kind of just a cash grab by wizards and 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 maybe yes it was um but i don't think that's all it was i think what happened is i think that maybe originally it was supposed to be curated and then they're just like no we you know i think daddy hasbro's like no let's get it out yeah yeah that, that if that's the case it's unfortunate that um that we, we missed that but also it's like we talked about this in our very last episode too about uh the dragon ball super one talking about executive meddling and it's like yeah it's kind of like well you know <laughs> what can you do at the end of the day um right. same reason i don't uh i don't always love uh diving into you know the the whole cash grab argument because like Something that I think a lot of people need to keep in mind, too, is that like as much as we love all of the community and collecting aspects of these hobbies, that ultimately the the businesses do need to continue making money in some way. Absolutely. I think I I now now just to be clear, like is Hasbro making enough money where they don't need to like do things like that? Probably I would like it. You know, I'm not going to argue with you if that's your argument, like, well, they're already making enough money okay i you know i don't do the books but i do see where they're what they what they post every year when they talk about their their new ballooning profits or whatever it's like good for them um but that's also why i don't immediately jump to calling things cash grabs because like yeah yeah that's you know to some degree that's the point but i think the what what you know what that that carries a connotation of it wasn't i think the real thing you want to talk about was was this product uh for you know was this player friendly was this collector friendly like it doesn't have to be players it can be collectors too but like yep, was this yep. friendly for the consumers in a way where they they were like reaching out and giving them something that that they you know even if they didn't know they wanted ultimately something they wanted and in this case i think a lot of us were really hoping it was something we wanted but it wasn't <laughs> right right um you know i like i i personally liked the uh you know and i think they i think they kind of overdid it with the uh, talking about outside the IP where they included the Dracula cards mm. in Crimson Vow. I mean, there were some really cool ones and I, you know, I really thought they were neat, especially that uh, Soren Planeswalker with the uh, Castlevania art. Just Oh. Well, it's too bad. So, okay, first of all, back here for people who are watching the visual one, if you ever wondered why I have a copy of Dracula on my shelf back here, it's because I love Dracula. And for a while before I put in my brick backdrop here, I, I had that Soren Castlevania art. Uh, oh. hanging behind me so it's my it is my favorite um i'm gonna say right now for 2022 my single favorite card visually that released by far was the soren dracula and it's honestly it's it's one of my like top three cards of all time i just love i i adore so much about it because castlevania is a franchise that is very very near and dear to me very close to my heart it's 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 one of my um it's one of just my core things about me is that I just love, I love the whole Gothic horror, Castlevania, Metroidvania, everything that stems from it. I love it all. So it's very cool I, to see that. I just watched a seven hour YouTube video on the 
on the whole start of Castlevania from the original game all the way to where it is now. And one and where, where they're asking the question, we got this cool anime series on Netflix. Yeah. But we don't have a good Castlevania game. Yeah, yeah, like it's like you know, you know what though? I'm I'm going to go ahead while we're off the, on the subject, slightly off topic. I'm going to go ahead and plug it right now. If you've been waiting for a good Castlevania game and you decided for some reason not to check out Bloodstained, which is by uh uh Igarashi, the guy who who did Symphony of the Night and and created Metroidvania effectively. Um you got to go it's like it's like cheap everywhere. It was in a humble bundle at one point. Like just you can find Bloodstained anywhere. Just get it and try it. You'll have a great time if you love oh, that. Yeah. It leans into everything you love about Symphony of the Night and its, its own system. It's great though. It's it's really good. It's really good. Like a uh like a uh a love a love song or a love note to Castlevania is that kind of what it is? It's yeah, it's it's Iga just making the game that he, you know, he wanted to make. Uh, without being constrained by anything that Konami required about Castlevania. So sure. um, he took all his, like, it's like a greatest hits of all the systems, all the little mechanical systems he put into various um, Egovania style Castlevanias over the okay. years. And then he just like slapped in his own story and was like, here you go. And if, by the way, if you like original NES Castlevania, the, the bloodstained retro versions, bloodstained curse of the moon and, and curse of the moon two are also incredible but they're that like nes style castlevania okay. and not the symphony of the night but either way it's like if you're a castlevania fan of any kind you should be checking out bloodstained you'll you'll love sweet. it sweet i will i will i'm castlevania was the first game i bought for my nintendo oh that's so sick dana was... i knew we were good friends i knew it <laughs> i knew we were connected it was, here it was castlevania and bionic commando oh incredible incredible <laughs> Okay, so, so okay, moving on. Actually, you know what? Speaking of Bionic Commando, let's talk about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, where... Oh, yeah. That's, I feel like that's kind of a segue. I don't know. It's close. You got, you got like, people sure. with, like, augments, and it's, like, right. it's more cyberpunk isn't quite what Bionic Commando was, but it's close. Um, so, so Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was the first core set release, not core set, but a first standard <laughs> tentpole, as you said earlier, set yep, yep. Of, of the year. And um, in my opinion thematically the best set of the year agreed i, I think and i think that's a pretty agree. common opinion a few there's definitely it turns some people off with the uh slight sci-fi slash future slant of it sure um but uh i couldn't get enough of that set i i loved it top to bottom yeah i i bought uh a case of collectors of kamigawa and i think i bought a case of uh set boxes for it yeah i mean my, that's if you're gonna buy collectors, though, that that was the set with the the neon Hidetsukus and the wandering emperors, etched foils, all that stuff to chase. Yeah, I uh, I never pulled a, a neon. Oh, really? Shoot. But <clears throat> funny story is that one of our regulars that comes in and buys, he pulled one out of a Japanese pack, which you weren't supposed to be able to. And oh then, yeah, that's right. And then just a, a I want to say a week or two ago. He just bought a random collector pack and pulled another one. Oh my god! I mean, I, it, it wasn't the red one; it was like the the blue one or the green one. And, and I think I know who you're talking about too. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's a he's a well known person in our area. Is uh, he's always pulling all the hot stuff every set. So yes, yes. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Neon Dynasty did a few things I think really well. One was in general, just like the theming was. I think it was a really good way to revisit a plane. Um, with a with a fresh like just honestly it's just this like jump in timeline or whatever that they yep. did here 
gave it um made it feel very fresh but familiar and it just felt like it was kind of nailed in the right way yeah Um, i i agree and and they did a good job also of like um bringing back the mechanics that worked you know like things like ninjutsu returning i like was what people wanted period um but then um they you know it had a few of its own you know relatively you know, not too crazy, but I like, I personally really liked the like whole artifacts and enchantments and like trying to meld the two with which depending oh, yes. on which colors you played and stuff. That was like the, yes. that wasn't like a keyword theme of the set, but it was a theme of the set when you had random artifact creatures and random enchantment creatures and, um, and the sagas that turned into enchantment creatures. Actually, yep. I think right away, everyone was really down on those, but they be, they were actually really good. They, they became quite oh, yeah. a hit. I mean, well, look at uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Fable was the one where everyone right away was like, this seems pretty good. <laughs> but, you know, you know, but it was like a originally it was like a dollar. Yeah. It wasn't even a dollar card. And, and now you, if, if a, anybody in standard and Pioneer are playing red, they're probably playing that. It's hard. It's a hard card not to like I, from my experience playing Arena 2. It's like you're building a deck with red in it and you're like, well, I got some room. I should probably slot in Mirror Breaker. Right, it's just like. Right. The value is always there for it. and usually with most decks, just because of the nature of what what cards are good, which is like ones that generate value immediately for you, um, the, it just tends to be good to have Kiki-Jiki in your deck. <laughs> right. So it doesn't ever hurt. Bringing back the dragons um, with the death triggers. Mm, um, and good then cycle the cha- of dragons, too. And then the channel lands. I mean... Yep, and it had a. They were hit hit cards, multi format all stars. The channel yep. lands play you play them in in like every format. If you ha, if you have the capability of slotting in a couple of random lands, you there's like no reason not to. And like I think I think some people could probably see that as like maybe lazier design, um, just given that like you know oh they're just good lands or whatever. But um, I feel like they came off just uh, feeling fairly interesting um and like it's it's the kind of thing where it's good to have you know you don't want i don't want them to make every land i don't want like basics now can be channeled to do something or whatever right right? like because i think that would be um there's other card games if you want to play card games where your lands do stuff there's plenty of other card games where you can do that um but it's part of the the feel of magic to to have the land system in it but it's nice to sometimes have like you know, I, I love these games where, I, oh, I drew my Boseju. Now I like, I, do I need to play this as a land right now? Should I hold it? It like produces some interesting decisions that you make. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. So Neon Dynasty, Neon Dynasty went very well. In fact, to the point where we did a whole podcast, uh, previous episode about it. And if you missed that, you can go back, check out. I, I talked to, um, uh, main deck Kev, Kevin about that, about his, he, he hadn't played magic at all for years. He, you know, he was like a, I don't think he was like anti magic, but he wasn't pro magic. You know, he was okay. just like, yeah, magic's like whatever. Like, yeah, I don't need to play that. Like, um, these other games are are better or whatever. And and Neon Dynasty really enticed him um, with, uh, especially because I think he's a uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Fist of the North Star fan. Oh, and so he sure. like he loved the references and he loved the the artwork by the yep. mangaka who did that, who did Fist of the North Star and everything. And he was like. And then the cyberpunk theme, and he was like, "This is really just appealing to me." And I think, right. I think a lot of people felt that. That was my, um, so that's my pick for definitely set of the year. I think, I think that set was um, for players, for collectors, for uh, established players, and for out of the loop players. It was kind of a hit yeah. all around. It was. I mean, it it hit. It really did. It like it hit those people who are fans of the anime. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, the the artwork, Fist of the North Star in in particular. 
Um, it brought back all those mechanics that people loved. Um, it didn't bring back some of the broken things, um, like the you know the JIT style yeah. things. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, come on. They had cute, cute homages to the like Life of Toshiro Umezawa is the saga that that does Jite effects as right, you're right. as you're going down it and and like that's another example I think of where it was just like I think that's that's the perfect way to do it. It's like it's like making sure you remember like you know this is still the same plane, this is still the same universe, yep. and these are the things you loved about it. But we're maybe not gonna break the game, and we're not gonna just like force it into your face like. Like, I, f I feel like some some return to sets have been a little more like I think Ravnica is the one that always like is like, yeah, it's Ravnica. Remember Ravnica? Remember the guilds? Yeah. <laughs> remember all the remember the the Niv-Mizzet? He's back again. And it's like, OK, right. all right. That's, you know, great. But we could use maybe something a little with a little more of a fresh coat of paint. And Neon Dynasty just was perfect. Yes. Yep. it did. The I thought their marketing was good. I mean, and and because it was good for the community, it was good for the players, collectors and everything it was good for the retailers, which, yep. you know, and, and, you know, and that was, that was one thing, I guess that, uh, especially coming off the pandemic is that, you know, people just, you know, wanted to play, they wanted to play stuff. And so even if they're playing at home, the pandemic did a lot, you know, along with getting those $1,400 checks or whatever they, they had, you could invest that into, into something you normally wouldn't one of your luxury cardboard games yes so which which caused quite a ballooning of prices across the tcg market which yes. are now starting to they're pulling back a little bit which is uh which is expected of course in more of a, a recession like time too so right right um but yeah it's it's i mean it was i think it was there for a lot of people right away at, at a at a good time too the timing i think that's a good yep. point that the timing for it was was also um it was slotted in very well for what it is yes um, okay, so let's let's move on. Let's talk about uh, well. So, Infinity was supposed to come out, but then it didn't for much later. Um, right. <laughs> which they say was due to stickers. Which I think the player base um, probably doesn't necessarily agree that stickers were that important to <laughs> delay the set for. Right. I mean, it is Infinity. Yes, that's kind of a a fun thing. It's a fun new thing. The only, I think, the only big. Uh, detraction that i could say was was making unfinity um legacy legal commander legal yeah i'm torn on this one honestly um i i think i actually think it's a great idea to make to make me actually care about i opened packs of infinity oh i did too i did too. I, but i've never done that for an unset before um because i like, why would I spend money on them, you know? But in this case, I I went for it because, well, they, they also tempted me with Shocklands, of course. Like, yeah. of course they did. But but I knew that even if I didn't hit the Shocklands, I was probably going to find a few cards that I might be able to saw oh, yeah. in something, like some saw in halves or something yeah, like that. Saw in half, uh, uh, Space Jace and the... Yeah, and the I wanted to open Space Jace. I didn't. I wanted him, though. He's cool. <laughs> Happy Cosmo the puppy and... Yes. And the the nearby planet, and then Urza's funhouse. So mm -hmm. that ties. We can tie that in later into brother into brothers. Ooh, yeah, good good point. More Urza lands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I guess we'll we'll just keep talking about it now since we're here, even though Infinity didn't release till later. But like, um, I I think ultimately the issue with Infinity, in my mind, I, I had I guess I remember I had one particular thought about it at the time, which is that like. Infinity felt a little too 
uh, paint by numbers magic design to me, meaning that like I thought there were I thought there were a number of creative ideas. I, we already mentioned them, like saw in half. Like I love yep. that. The like the like jokey Urza's land thing. Like right. great. Like the planeswalkers are great. Like just the kind of like crazy zany. Like they're never yep. going to actually print this, but this is the time to do it. Um, sure. My favorite card in the set is form of the approach of the second son by far my favorite card in the set if you don't know what this card does well you can listen to me right now or pause and go look up form of the approach of the second son and read it because the experience reading it is like worth it as you figure out what this is doing but the the concept is you become a copy of the card approach of the second son which is a card that you you pay seven mana you gain seven life and then it goes seven cards seven underneath deep in your deck. seven yep. deep in your library. If this is the second time you've cast approach of the second sun, this game, you win the game. Yep. Right. So, but so like form of the approach of the second sun is like, what if we combine approach of the second sun with form of the dragon form of the dragon, classic card where you become a dragon, but this time you're going to become approach of the second sun. You take the top cards, six cards of your library and you put them on top of your head. Yep. And now you are the approach of the second sun in your deck. And when you draw yourself, <laughs> you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> and like i just like i couldn't get over that idea when i read it because that is the kind of thing that from an unset i'm personally looking for this just like yeah. like okay if you're gonna make playable cards for me that's great i want son half i want space jace i want all that stuff if you're gonna make something i can't actually play you have to knock my socks off with this idea right right and my problem was that and this is going to tie into what you're saying but like when when they decided to make stickers and attractions the sort of the main mechanical you know skeleton of the set um which they decided to make legacy legal you know and and right. and legal you know uh, depending on the attractions of course but yes, like whatever yes. um then to to kind of mechanically tie the set together this the rest of the feel like a, like a good chunk of the set just is like it's four mana three three that does a sticker thing and it's yep. a it's a five mana five four and it does an attraction thing and stuff and it's yeah. like it's like i mean i just well, snooze fest you know i'm just like yes. over his peg like i don't care i don't like i don't care about draft chaff if i'm by like i get that people are like trying to play limited with infinity but like i guess does it have to be a honed in Num like numbers perfect limited set if it's unfinity i don't right, you know right. i would rather have seen them pull back and like i think i think some of the stuff they did in i just I, like i went back and i was looking at like the earlier unsets a little bit and was like i just felt like the designs were a little more um top down inspired where i felt like this set had like a couple of bottom up designers on it who were just like we got to make attractions work we got to make stickers yep. work and like if they don't work one it, it just doesn't matter and two just toss them out put something more fun in that works right. then i think so right. that's my take on it no and, and i don't have much to disagree on it i mean i mean the the basic lands the the whole planetary lands are absolutely gorgeous beautiful once, once again they i think and the Shockland reprints with the art i think they just knocked that out of the park just and the um galaxy foil this like old like pokemon holographic right, i love it right. toss it toss yeah. it on i want to see magic doing more stuff like that in general my one of my takeaways for the year is just watching magic is that i i, I still haven't had one thing fulfilled about magic that that bothers me and and this is, is coming coming from someone whose perspective is watching a lot of different tcgs all right. the time 
But Magic is the game that does not have an excuse. It doesn't have an excuse for performing, for doing things worse than other TCGs do. Like, I'm, I love that there are other TCGs that are putting out incredible stuff. That's awesome. But then you look at Magic and you're like, Magic Magic has no reason, has all the resources in the world, it has the biggest player base and everything. There's no reason ever for Magic to not be setting the bar constantly for everything they're doing. I feel like in some ways... Wizards continues to coast a little bit. They, 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 I think at one point they sort of like got into a position where they started coasting when other card games going, what started going, Oh, we gotta, we gotta compete. You gotta innovate. Yep. 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 And, uh, and I, I, I think there's some things magic does. There's, there are some things, there are some things that magic does better than anyone else. Things like the tightness of the rules is yeah. like every, every TCG needs to always look at magic and go, okay, that's how we do it. Like if it's either this or better, like that's how we have to do this. Um, and, and if you don't aim that high, you end up with lots and lots of weird, murky, quirky ruling right. things. So, you know, there's stuff they do, but like when it comes to production of cards, like the galaxy foils are beautiful. I, I think they're really cool. I think they're awesome. Um, and they're a great step, but there are still games that are doing it better, you know? And right, it's like, right. They're like, they're like five years late on it. Yeah, or like some people pointed out, this is like the same foiling that was on base set Pokemon. Um, It's very similar. I'm going to say that. Uh, And it's interesting that, you know, like thematically, I get why they chose it, but it's like it it is a it's one of those like sort of step back comparisons you can make and go, okay, well, cool. So they're now where are we? uh, 25 years (laughs) behind (laughs) Pokemon, I guess. Right, right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I, I. Definitely would like to see them continuing to take some of those like card treatments, some of the things they're doing. Um, the, for me, for me, one of the big things that happened this year, I guess we'll just like dive a little bit, talk about this real quick. But like they finally announced the return of regionals. Um, yep. Yep. To to a degree, which is yes. you know it was um, it was important. It was important. It's been important for Magic to once again take the reins of like we said earlier dana you know they the ones who invented tournament play effectively they have been outdone this year we'll talk about this in some of our upcoming podcasts too games like flesh and blood yes. are are running circles around mtg for for offering a competitive competitive environment that people are engaged with interested in playing in um and and actively seeking to get involved in yeah i've, and, I've noticed that yeah, and and magic. What magic has kind of done through, you know, some of them. Like I said earlier, they started by like, you know, kind of pulling back a little bit, obfuscating the process. I don't think they intended to obfuscate it, but the way they they went about trying to solve one problem of theirs, I think, created two problems in the process. You know, yeah. Um, and and it, they've never really been able to recover. So I was very excited this year when they said, okay, regionals are coming back. I remember there was like some electric attitude from MTG players, like this is it. Here comes the yep. here comes the push. And then they announced it's being held by hosted by DreamHack and not yep. Wizards. Like, yep. oh, okay. And then they said, well, you're going to get promos. Like, okay. And then the promos they released, they showed off were just normal cards with an alternate art and a foil. And it's like, guys, do you do you see what other games are doing? Like, do you look at what else is happening here? Was my that was my take on it right, right. away? It's like I'm not. You're not drawing me in. 
um, no, when you do it no. like that. I mean, I've got, I mean, some of the some of the old like Grand Prix. I've got a few of the old Grand Prix uh, promos, and there's so much. I mean, then they're awesome. They're awesome cards. Yeah. Where where they haven't really done that with the, with the new promos. I mean, even with the the recent RCQ, I'm just trying to think what uh, the promo was a uh, 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 special art uh, surge engine from Brothers War. Surge engine, everyone's everyone's favorite um, competitive all star. Right, <laughs> yeah. and and then uh, trying to think, the Thraben Inspector was the was the participation one. Yep, and uh, it was it was cool art. Um, that's a card I've used in Cube. Sure, and. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, that's all i got and then there was a, a i can't i can't remember what the top eight was it was a spirit of some sort it was i mean it was a better card and it's definitely seen play in like pioneer and modern spirits at one point in time but i mean it's not a yeah certainly not a card that you would go after yeah the, you're just, go ahead yeah no but i mean sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but yeah the the i'm i totally with you i like i remember back in the day going to grand prix i went to grand prix where i i went and i'd I got Chrome Moxes for playing, like Chrome Mox, like it would, and it was yeah, like I've got like, four of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> there was a Grand Prix where they gave away Umazawa's Gtase. There's a great, yep. you know, like they were they were giving out some pretty like the picks for cards were great back then, right. um, and uh, you know the the thing that was interesting at the time, like this was that was sort of before the current era of modern card games that were in like in the current era of modern card games. It's it's actually just not enough to put an alternate art on a card. You know, the yeah. the there are a lot of games here. Actually, um, sorry if you're on the audio only version of the podcast. This is going to be a visual thing, but I have right here. This is an example of what card games are offering right now. Right, this is a this is oh, a beautiful. Yeah, this is a full art. It's got a hot stamp promo. This is for the game upcoming card game Grand Archive. Okay, this this is a game. This is a game that doesn't even exist yet. Um, okay. this is, this is because I'm, I'm, I'm a ambassador for the game because I, I really believe in it. Um, Legit. and, uh, that's, but that they sent me that so I could show it to people basically, because it's an example of, um, of what their most collectible cards, what their tournament promos that are, are chase tournament promos and everything are going to look like. Um, and it's, it's an example of the stuff you can do to, make it so that people want to go get your card yeah. <laughs> and and by by extension then want to compete and want to end up like you know playing in their locals to get ready for the event and everything and all like it all chains down from there yep. um and the first step is just making people want to play in your events but um and and i have noticed now i, I saw at the beginning of the year they they made that initial dreamhack regional announcement and I was definitely like, I, I was vocal at the time too. Like, this is not what we're looking for. I'm pretty sure. Um, right. But since then, I've noticed that the tournament promos they've been announcing have been borderless card arts. They've been more like secret layer treatments of cards yep. and like, yep. okay, okay. That's a, that's a good step. That's the kind of thing that we're looking to see. I think um, yes. I would, I would like to see them. Uh, however, continue th this, this, I really think that, it needs to be concerted effort from wizards to make these events, um, host these events themselves where they can put all their time and effort into it and, um, get back to the point where again, there shouldn't be smaller card games showing them up. Their promos should be right. top quality and the events should be accessible and they should be big and exciting and fun. And that's what we need to get to. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I I think back to the well, I think back to the midnight pre-releases, you know, and and some mm. of that stuff. I mean, it was just a blast. I yes. Mean, those those days, those were the days before the event center in the back. I remember playing. I remember playing on the floor in the front, playing on the carpet, you know, and and that was the. <laughs> those those are good memories for me. I thought that was fun. I was uh, I was working as a as a judge and working at at uh, the shop you're talking about, Paradox, for a while back then. And um, at that time, during like when when our magic was really the biggest that it that it could be as far as like just in person like players playing in events i think again like magic is bigger still than it has been but a lot of that the problem is a lot of that is a casual base now that is that is playing at home or just yep. like you know whatever and like which is which is great for magic but for your local stores it's not it's not it doesn't have the same um communal feeling that it that it right. did back then and back then we had so many people coming to events. Um, sorry, actually, now that I think about it, you're talking about a time before this. I'm talking about after Paradox opened this event center and we would get pre-releases where we literally filled up this 100-person event center and then went into the main store and filled that up. Yep. And then I remember one, I don't remember which which event it was. It was somewhere around like Rise of the Eldrazi, maybe yep. around that era when I literally had to go okay, you guys, the, like, I'm sorry, you're at the end of the list. You have to sit on the floor here and play because literally we have two full, like, stores worth of tables that are yep. all taken up. But I swear after round one, you'll probably get on a table, but try and right. win if you want to get to an actual table. Yeah, no, I remember. I was I was there for Rise of Eldrazi. That was one of the times I came back. Yeah, it, like, it was, you know, and, and I really think it's, like, part of it is is just getting people um, to understand that like they, you know, there is a path for them to compete and they don't have to be a number one player too. That's another thing that another issue with magic is how big it is. Yeah. Makes it so that if, uh, if you want to try and be like a name in magic, it's, it's going to take a lot of work. It's got to take, going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort and probably a lot of money, honestly, right. just like not buying cards, but just like, going to events and grinding yep. and grinding and everything the events you can get to because they're they're not very accessible right now but like back then i feel like it was more like you know we we had the problem is that like their their magic's putting in like arena opens and and all the stuff that's that's really great but i feel like it's a lot of small events that feed one very difficult to achieve dream and i feel like we're sort of missing the the stepping stones in between because all i really wanted to do back then was do well at a Grand Prix, which were sure. open attendance and yep. were everywhere. Um, right. That was my goal. I didn't even think like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to top cut a PTQ. Like my goal just, and I was like, I was a felt considered myself a competitive player at the time, but I was like, I will be happy if I can attend one of these Grand Prix and do well. I was, I, I made a day two of one, one time. And I was like, I'm, I'm on top of the world right now. I got summarily destroyed by literally by Shuhei Nakamura in the next in the next day i drafted and he he drafted this is zendikar he drafted blue blue is known as the worst color in zendikar he had a blue green deck i i was like i know zendikar easy draft mono black this is or, or black red or whatever i draft black i draft trusty machete i knew that draft format right so i was like i was making the picks vampire nighthawk Ooh, i'm on i'm on fire Ooh, here yeah <laughs> yep yep i'm on fire i'm i drafted but but the problem was you know of course everybody knew that so i'm sure i was actually getting cut a lot of like important cards um shuhei 
classic, you know, the, the old cultural differences between, between the, the, uh, different regions playing magic. Um, Japan always tended to have a slightly altered take on things. Shuhei probably was, was as incredibly smart player was like just leaning on that drafting into blue green ended up with like this deck where he's like playing the, I don't remember the name of it. It's like an instant. That's like minus four minus Oh something draw card, like a card. I would have said like, yeah, that's not even like a, uh, that's like a 16th pick card. Like get it out of right, my face right. or whatever. <laughs> I get wrecked. I get wrecked by it. And, and I'm like, I mean, this is, this is why I'm not Shuhei Nakamura. Right? This is why I'm not a pro player. Um, but I didn't care because like I achieved my goal. I was like, I, I made day two. I like, I felt good about myself and without having events where people can go to those on a regular basis, you know, have access to them all across the country run by wizards promoted with, with a prizes that are fitting like entry prizes that are fitting for the right. time of magic that we are of time of card games that we're in, where they get you excited and they make you want to play. Um, it's really tough for people to get in on that earlier level where they're coming into local events and being like, I should, I should play, you know, like I, I wouldn't have missed the Zendikar pre-release cause I needed to, I needed to learn that format. Right. Sure. I needed to play in it. Um, and arena plays into this whole thing, but I yes. almost feel like that's another discussion too. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I think we could, I think we could probably, I mean, we could talk about specifically uh, about arena and its effect on paper magic uh for hours i think i think dana let's do this let's let's go ahead and footnote the arena thing and we're gonna we're gonna say that i'm gonna bring you back on sometime where if you're willing and i'll and we'll do we'll do an arena podcast and it'll just be really interesting i think to to talk about that for an extended period of time about the the impact of arena on paper but um i think like my my general thought on uh on on this is just that i'm i'm really happy that wizards started to push into competitive play again but i feel like 2022 was not the year of competitive magic no um, no not at all so i'm hoping you know, it, it gets better i you know and, and i have some hope i mean there i mean we've got some there's some other events that aren't necessarily part of the dream hack ptq i think there's a magic con in minneapolis um what may 6th I believe, hmm. which I would have loved to go, but it's free comic book day, so I'm I'm stuck at the store. Yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I, I I understand that. I've been there, right. been there, done that, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, and and actually, it's worth mentioning too, just on the event schedule. There there were a couple of pretty big ticket events that happened this year too. There was a 30th anniversary event in Las Vegas. Yep. Um, which, which I'm going to just hold off on that discussion on that for the very end of the podcast. Sure. Um, and then there was a, there was an interesting, like, um, oh, I don't remember the name of it, but there was a sort of a third party event where they were, it was hosted, I think Salt Lake city. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember, I know the, prof- the professor from uh, Tolarian community college was there yes. along with, uh, I think, uh, the command zone folks. Yeah, and there were like a million cool artists that were going down. They were right. like, I think it was really, it was sort of being marketed really as like a, as a, like a big, like a convention full of artists and like, yep. like more casual and just like kind of like collector side of things and enjoying that stuff. And, so. and like the, like where, where the old Grand Prix and, and the old big events, you'd have, you'd have the main event going on and then you'd have all these side events, you yep. know, that anybody could get into and you, and all had cool prizes, you know, and I think that was kind of the focus Right. And a lot of, a lot of people that I talked to who even went to like, uh, the Atlanta, um, regional qualifier <clears throat> or regional event, you know, just 
just played in some of those side events and had you know a whole bunch of fun which i think is is what was really awesome about those events back in the day I've, I've been to a couple of them never for the main event because i'm not that great a magic player but uh but always just to be there and meet all these people from all over the country and all over the world who played this game that we love yeah so yeah and that that definitely was what was most fun about it and, and that's why they really need to have you know again just more of these things should be taking yes. place like throughout the year I, I do miss the old schedule. I don't know if like that's exactly the way it should continue to be done, but it needs to be something different than what it currently is. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll see that, you know, and, you know, cause again, like the magic con is not, is not something it's, it's third party. It's not being, it's not a dream hack. It's not, it's not wizards. Um, you know, it's people who love the game, uh, retailers, of course, you know, cause you need, you need capital to get these things going, but, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yep. We'll um we'll see. I think that'll be something I'm lo- I'm looking forward to see in 2023 what changes. Um so okay, going to going to continue our discussion here. Uh let's let's talk about Streets of New Capenna. So that was the second sort of tentpole release. This okay. was the one that I I pegged as the least interesting to me of the year before it released. Um sure. and ultimately after it released, I probably still feel that way. Um Although it was a better set than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was. There were some cool things about it. I, I kind of, I kind of liked the, the. Uh, what am I, what am I thinking of for their, their art style? Um, art nouveau. Was a, art nouveau was really what they were leaning on. Yeah. And and I thought some of the some of the art, specifically with the basic lands and the some of their special treatments, looked amazing. I will say that um, that new Capenna wizards is so weird man i don't know how to i don't know how to peg these guys because like new capenna showed us that they did know how to do special card treatments to make things look cool with the the gilded foil treatment that they did is is those are those are some of the coolest um absolutely looking cards that they've they've come out with but like but i don't understand why it's just so hit or miss every time with like how will how far they're willing to go in like making their cards stand out it's right. just kind it, of it's strange to me and perhaps you know they thought because capenna wasn't a huge seller that they're like oh well you know we did that cool card treatment but people didn't like it so we're not going to go forward and do that again i think i also thought that they were they were pushing that into that set because they you know, because they thought it wasn't necessarily going to be like raking in the cash right away. And so they, they wanted to, um, they, they wanted to try and put something in to get people fired up to pick it up. Sure. Sure. So it's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to know exactly what, uh, what they were thinking and why they, um, why they, they can't seem to like, just nail down a way of doing things but you know we had we had neon ink foil in kamigawa we had gilded foil in new capenna we had textured foil and double masters 22 which then they they they've and they've they've had etched foils in all of these sets yep, um yep. and they like a galaxy foil and infinity <laughs> like i don't like like i guess if their thing is to just do a unique foil thing in every set that's that's fine but i i feel like they don't I feel like they I kind of think they should they should really find something that works really well and maybe like stick to it a little bit. Yeah. Even well, if it's no. just for just like a couple of cards in every set or something. 
Sure. Well, I mean, even with that neon ink, you know, that was that was a big seller for the people who wanted to hit them. They wanted those, even though Hitetsugu was not uh, necessarily that good a card. No, it was an interesting <laughs> choice of a card, actually, to, right, right. to put that on. It's like, 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 why wasn't that on kaido shizuki or or like just you know like they're already doing cool wandering emperor so like let's let's make kaido kind of neat too because otherwise like kaido a lot of people probably forgot about him um (laughs) he's like a he's a fine planeswalker yeah i mean i i play him in uh play him in yuriko yeah well i'm sure that makes sense that makes sense (laughs) uh yeah streets of new capenna you know it was a it was a shard theme set it had um it had interesting you know, and like five, once again, it was one of those like five shards, five mechanics kind of yeah. deal. It was like a, I feel like in some ways it was kind of like you've seen this before, but it's got a little different coat of paint on it. You know, it's like a. Right. And it was all right. And I think, I mean, just, just remember talking to players about dr- drafting, you know, and they didn't like, they, they really liked the Kamigawa draft. That was a, that was a pretty mm-hmm. popular, popular limited set. Capenna, not so much. I mean, they said it i mean because a lot of the stuff in there was more i mean it seemed more commandery especially with your with your main you know with your mob bosses from each each guild or each house you know very very commandery and and definitely not something that i mean maybe it'd be a limited bomb but three colors and eight mana you know yeah, um, I played a lot of se- I actually I play a lot of sealed in every set in arena, and then I play yep. some amount of draft for each one. Um, and and the one thing that I can't help but thinking, like from every set I see, is that like I really think they're better at designing sets for sealed than they are for draft. Which I don't know if that's like a hot take or like a take a lot okay. of people don't hear, but like, but my reason for that is that like New Capenna draft you are usually best off playing two colors because it's more right. consistent. Uh, New Capenna sealed. You pretty much always played one of the three, one of the five wedges, right. three color, right. three color wedge. Domi, Dominari United. You're usually best off playing two colors, maybe splashing a kicker third color, but it's like sure. only on kicker effects and not, yep. Uh, yep. you know, nothing else. Um, Dominari United sealed. I had so many like five color pools that were like this is legitimately powerful <laughs> like really right. good um the format's just slower and sealed where it works Bro- brothers war the general consensus is prototype cards are just kind of bad on both sides so don't play them um because the game usually ends before you can play the the high mana value one right, right. um but in sealed uh prototype cards are anchors of the format because it goes long enough where you do get to play right. the the other end of them it's like it's like every single set it's like this just kind of works better in sealed i'm not sure why if it's not if it wasn't for just the like random chance of getting bombs or not getting bombs it feels like sealed would uh sealed would be like the optimal way to play the game <laughs> yeah and no, i i think i think you're right so so i mean just so recently doing Brothers War draft, I've actually instead of instead of uh, breaking draft boxes open for it because we don't have a lot, um, I busted open free release kits. One thing that was that I noticed um, and was and a lot of players commented on was a lot of duplication in like in packs. So I mean you didn't have mm. that same uh, you know that same split that you would in a draft box as you know where where it was more akin to that sealed format rather than rather are you are you talking about like commons and uncommons or rares yeah yeah commons and uncommons like there was one there there was like two duplicates in a row of the same card 
Weird. But yeah. like also that matches my experience with it because we played one two-headed giant game and among our two pools we had was it it was four or five copies of the um the white uh like arrest variant in the set okay. or something yep, yep. so if i played i played the white blue deck and it's like hey look i arrested your thing Hey, look, I arrested your thing. <laughs> like, I just kept, I kept, like, I got more. And I, the, the hilarious thing, too, was I also had, um, I had, uh, oh, Herkel, Herkel, that's her name. Okay, um, yep. who, who's the creature with Yu-Gi-Oh text. Uh, just like, it's really, it's just so much text and, and it, you kind of get it by the end of the, uh, when you're done, when you're done reading the card. Um, but it's like her, her effect is basically at the end of the turn, you get to dig the top few cards of your deck, and if you find a card with a, a card type that you played that turn, a non-creature card type that you played that turn, you get to put it in your hand. So I was playing a deck with a whole bunch of enchantment removals, and I got to do this one time, and I put out Hercule, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to arrest your thing. End of my turn. Hey, look, I found one. Okay, guess what's coming next turn? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. Yep, good on it you. Was, good on you. But yeah, like, uh, I, I agree with it. It's... Um, it was interesting that it like I had never had a we hadn't had a pool before that had quite that many copies of several different cards. Actually, that wasn't the right. only one. Um, I, w- I wonder why that is, though, because you would think the packs would be made on the same line. Right. right? Exactly. Because, I mean, they are draft packs. It's yeah. You know, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but, yeah. Do you, do you have anything else to add about Streets of New Capenna before we move on? You know, not a whole lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, I guess I'm with you. You know, Streets of New Capenna. It was like a, it was a fine set. I like the gilded foil treatments, um, but it it didn't uh, it didn't really. I don't think it really changed the game a, a ton. It didn't really pump no pump me up too much. I mean, so. I mean, you had what was like uh, cap. No, no, the Kappa Cannoneer was Kamigawa. I'm just you. Had, you had a couple couple cards that uh, made their way into Legacy. Um, Usually is the way with a, a few things. Um, you had Shardlands too, like the yeah. the new the new triumphs. Oh yeah, the, the triumphs. The yeah. triumphs were definitely. I would say that's probably the best thing that came out of that set. Yeah, was the triumphs. Uh, hard to argue with that. Um, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander Legends. Oh okay, so I love that set. I absolutely love it. Um, All I right, I I love this. That's a great. That's that's uh, usually a lot of people are very down on it, um, and I do understand why. But I also understand your take on this. I think. But go ahead, tell us why you love it. So I I love it because the theming is great. I mean, I, I've been a dungeon. I played I played Dungeons and Dragons since 1990. So so I mean, in Forgotten Realms was my that was my shtick. So like all these characters, like they introduced them in the the Adventures in the Forgotten Realm standard set we got in uh, 2021, but but they brought the ones they missed, like Elminster, you know, which you know who's I mean that essentially is like the original D and D character. I mean that is uh, I mean and he is, um, you know there was, but I think um, why it didn't do so well was because Wizards marked the price up. They messed around with the size of the set boxes and the and the amount of cards in the set packs, and they advertised it as a commander set. And there was like, what two reprints that were worth mentioning? Yeah, I I I think the I think my take on it was that the player feedback was that it was 
not a very strong set. Um, I get like I get the theming, absolutely, and I'm with you on the theming too. I mean, not even like a D and D guy, but like I, you know, like I couldn't help but get excited seeing like the ancient dragons and yeah, and everything. Yeah. Like so so cool to see all those. And I, and I, you know, they're dice rolling, so they're after my heart already. Right. Like I like <laughs> let me roll some dice here. I just want the chance of making twenty tokens or whatever. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. I know it's not going to happen. I just want the chance. Um, and uh and the initiative was like a good fix for venturing into the dungeon in yeah. commander it yes. has proven to be exceptionally powerful in, in legacy in, in eternal formats yes and popper yeah, popper had to ban right, a bunch popper. of comments right away yeah there's yeah there's um, uh there's a couple couple cards uh that are running in legacy that are just taking over the format with initiative Yes. Yep. They, they are, they are. And, and, um, but I think like the problem and, and, you know, this is the interesting part here is I'm not really sure where to place like the, the blame for this one. Exactly. I think this is a, I think this is an interesting set because I think things like, um, choosing a background and stuff were, they sounded more exciting right away than they actually right. are. Right. Um, I think I think choosing a background ends up being just like too fairly set up. It's like there's for some for some commanders it's like, well, why wouldn't I pick this one background? Right. Like this that's the one that goes with this yep. this. And for others it's like, okay, I have a choice between like option A, which is like a mildly interesting effect, or option B, which is like a mildly interesting effect. It's like nothing's like there's nothing exciting there. And that's where yes. I feel, it feels like it feels like it's just a little too like reined in. Cause like they didn't want to break commander or anything. Um, and I feel that we don't want to break commander thing across the board with the set. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know? Totally. Totally. And, and the, the thing is as much as people like to complain about power creep, people secretly, really like power like creep yeah they do um, yeah. <laughs> yeah they do because because they're excited about mm -hmm. be, you know like and there's a, there's a limit right like i'm not saying like some some games some games go beyond the limit where it's like new set throw your old set out like nobody wants that i'm not advocating for that but right but if we get a new commander legend set and it's and you look at the cards and you go eh, i could play some of those i guess like it's like right. not you know like people are looking for and and especially so this is where i say i don't know where to blame it because like especially if we're talking about what i mentioned earlier this like commander segment of people who are like looking for optimizations honing their decks on edh rec like like how can i how can i make this combo more and more absurd and yep. consistent and everything commander legends did not deliver for them nope. that just no. it didn't it no. didn't have what they're looking for now now if you're someone who's willing to sit back and go well, I'm going to take out some of these tutors. I'm going to take out some of this efficient stuff and I'm going to play battle angels of tier. And I'm going to play like, you know, just like whatever, like random nonsense is there. My favorite one I always mention is wrong turn. More people need to play wrong turn. That's from commander legends one, but that card is hilarious. And do you know that card, Dana? I would have to look it up without off I, the top of my head. I gotcha. Two and a All blue right. instant target opponent gains control of target creature. You don't control. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah yep, that's good it's it, yep nope that that one goes over there opponent plays blight steel or whatever you're like actually 
that's going to go to your opponent who's about to take their turn. Okay, it's your turn now. And he's like, oh, look, I have, an, I have a Blightsteel Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> How fun is that? It's like, okay, if you're someone who can get behind that kind of stuff, then, then Battle for Baldur's Gate definitely had stuff where you're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, this is awesome. Um, but... I, that's, I think it was like, I think they maybe didn't quite grasp what their player base was no, I, maybe yeah. looking for, unfortunately. Um, and, and I think the set just fell a little flat because of that. Well, and, and I think a lot of people were kind of expecting some big reprints. Yes, you know, I, th- I think I that's think too. Like, There's like Jewel Lotus or something, you know? Or, or Dockside Extortionist. I mean, because he could easily fit into the theme. That was the big I mean, one, yeah. I mean, and and technically any of the like even vampiric tutor or anything like that could technically fit into the theme just mm-hmm. just fine, and and like what we got we got basilisk collar and blade of selves I think that was the two big reprints yep. in there basilisk collar, <laughs> woo I mean it's a good card but it's I a mean, good it's, card but it's, it's a, not it's yeah. not a great card yeah it's great in some some decks it's great but very specific ones but yes yeah it works it, it and and I I, I don't know. You know, I think it. I think they sabotaged it just by increasing the price at the time. Mm. Um, you know, and 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 marketing it, market marketing it as as something it wasn't, and then immediately following, we got Double Masters twenty twenty two. Yeah, and and that was um, the in my in my opinion, if you think look at the whole year, that was really the standout release of the year. Um, yeah in in a number of ways kind of whichever way you look at it um double masters 2022 absolutely stole any thunder battle for baldur's gate could have had um and could have generated maybe even maybe maybe baldur's gate was supposed to be a slow burn but the fire was out as soon as double masters 2022 dropped yep um yeah go for it what's 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 double masters 2022 about well i mean i'd almost call double masters 2022 commander masters yeah. Because I mean, all those reprints that everybody wanted were in there. I mean, we got you know, we got Bloom Tender. We've got uh, uh, you got what, Smothering damn, Tithe. Smothering Tithe. Dockside. Protection. Dockside. Oh yeah, the Teferi's Protection is beautiful. Like yeah. Borderless Arts for all of these looks so good. Richard, in my in my my favorite, Richard Kane Ferguson. I love RKF art, and he had some sure. bangers in there. If you love looking at just you could look at his art for forever and keep finding yes. new like little weird bits and bobs all over it and stuff. And he had some good stuff. Elenda, the dusk rose, um, yes. Marchesa, uh, the, the rose thing. Yep, <laughs> Something about the a rose. rose. Also. Yep. yep. Oh, wait, Ele- wait, was it? Wait, wait, Marchesa, the duck ro- dust rose, nope. which one's Elena or, uh, let's see. I don't know. I don't know. The, they, there's, the other one. The there's Marty all sorts one. of roses yeah. involved in these cards. <laughs> I'm not sure why. I don't know the story. People, as he, if you if you talk to me at all, you know I don't really know. In like our Discord, or whatever, you know I don't know the magic story very. Like I get the I get the gist of it. I know what planeswalkers are. I know who the characters are. I know the, but like I don't, I don't really know much about what's going on. I play yeah, cards I, for I the art. In the, I don't in either. The I don't either. I like. <laughs> Like there's entire like there's entire streams that are dedicated to the whole magic, you know, the storyline and the history. And I'm just like, uh, OK, 
Yeah. Yeah. But what does that do for me mechanically? That's what I want to know. Um, yeah. So Double Masters 22 introducing textured foils. It had these absurdly expensive collector boxes you could buy. Um, that somehow still managed to on average net you value. (laughs) Like if you bought a box, Yes, you usually did pretty well, especially right yes. off the bat, because um, I mean I've I've been following the value on Double Masters and it's it's crept down considerably. Um, so if you're trying to pick up some of those cards that were absurdly expensive, like Renin Six, uh, Imperial Seal, you know they're now under a hundred bucks. Some mm. like I think even Renin Six, like an, even a, a borderless foil is like eighty ninety bucks. Wow. Um. I think the two top top cards there. The number one is the foil etched imperial seal, followed by Ren, the textured Renin six. Yeah, the etched the etched foils only being in the collector boosters there too, which yes. is like, uh, which is different than um, some of the previous like Commander Legends. You got etched foils in in regular. Yeah, you can packs get those in regular but... packs. Yep. Yeah, um, Double Masters twenty twenty two was uh, was, I guess. I'm trying to think about what to what to say about this set, but this was actually what you could pretty easily call. I think you could also pretty safely call this a cash grab. However, it's the kind where the players actually were generally pretty fine with it. I think, right? Was yeah. that the your take yeah. on the perception? Yeah, because I mean, even at like ninety dollars a pack for collectors, we sold them. I mean, I think we're almost sold out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like the, the difference being that there's a bunch of cards that people want in here and, and have been waiting for actually in some cases. And, and the textured foils, uh, great addition to the game's arsenal of things it can do because there's, that's, uh, that this, this card I showed earlier, that's a textured foil too. Like it's not, you know, it's something that, that is completely within the realm of doing in, yeah, in Wizards. So yeah. It's like, why why haven't they been doing it? So I'm glad they started to. Um, yeah, it's it was a I guess it was a good set. Although I think that if there's any if there's any con to it, it's just that it was the like fifth booster release of the year, let alone secret rares and stuff, and yeah. it was continuing the trend of making things more and more expensive which right. did didn't end until like we can get once we got to the end of the year we had the coup de gras on that <laughs> yeah yeah um but at least these ones are real cards so there's that right and and it was uh no that that's exactly the thing is that it could just they kept on they kept on moving the goalposts every time yeah. we had one of these releases yeah and and i think that's you know that's something where at some point i i I feel like there's got to be a little bit of relenting happening. I'm actually someone who's, I've always advocated, I like the idea of collector boosters. I think collector boosters are a good thing to have in the game. Yep. Um, but uh, I I really think the players need to, um, w- Wizards is very adamant that the products they make are not for every player, which oh, is, yes. which, which is, um, which I think I I think that is true in some cases, uh, and I, you know I've like I've come around on um, on secret layers where I'm I'm not picking them up as often as I was right away, sure, um, and I've started to understand that like 
I, you know, like, okay, like if there's a single card I want from a, a secret layer batch, yeah, I can probably just find that single later. It won't really be a big deal. Like that's fine, right. you know, um, or I don't even really need it necessarily. Like whatever, like, you know, that's all, it's all good. Um, I bought two Nils Hom secret layers, by the way, cause he's my favorite artist. So like it's, sometimes secret layer is for me. Um, so the, the, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Frank Frazetta. Yes. Art. Oh, that so... one's for you. So Absolutely. I was, I was like, I was swearing off. I'm like, I'm not giving wizards any more money directly. And then they come out with that. I'm like, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that's awesome. That's, that's really cool though. For people who like grew up with that, all for Zeta's art on, on D and D stuff and everything like that. So, um, it savage sort of Conan. That was, Sav- uh, oh, my nice. uncle, my uncle collected those. And so the some of the first comic books I ever read were Savage Sword of Conan, and it was Frank Frazetta, Boris Vallejo, and those artists, because um, at that point in time, they were the magazine-style comic right. books from the 70s, so they, yeah. they weren't under the Comic Ratings Authority. So, oh, so they so, got to get away with whatever yeah, they wanted. So, so you had, uh, you know, boobs and other things. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, family-friendly podcast. <laughs> so, but... But I mean, I just love the art. I mean, it was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think it's what is it, Ricardo Federucci? He's a, a current comic book artist, and and his stuff is very much like Frazetta and Vallejo, just beautiful. I mean, uh, he does some Batman and some other stuff, and it's just amazing art. It just it's reminiscent of of mm. like that old school heavy metal, uh, you know, even like Soriyama type of art, which is which is like I'm a big heavy metal fan. I've I've got the first four years. My dad my dad collected it from seventy seven to eighty five, and he gave them to me. So I'm like, oh yeah, all right, sweet, nice. Um, but I I love that kind of that seventies era uh, fantasy and and sci fi art is just I just love it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. So so like I I've come around on secret layers. Like clearly, you know, you understand too. It's like what you know, if they're gonna come out with the one for you, then that's that's great. That's right. a pickup. But you really don't need to be grabbing every single secret secret layer out there. But no, no. But you know, I think it's I think when it comes down to it, if we're trying to so let's let's just take a look at Wizard's statement face value, which is that like not every product we make is for every player, okay? Yeah. Or, or every product we make is for different players or whatever. However you want to take yes. this. Yep. Um. How do we judge when we look at a product that if you're like, if you're Dana and you have sit down and you want to judge a product and figure out is wizards asking me to spend money on this? Is this, is this, is this for me? What the, in my opinion, the only, there's only two metrics you can use to determine if that's the case. One of them is what is the content? What, like, what are the cards? What's, you know, what, who is this being marketed towards? And am I in that demographic? And, 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 that would I'm just gonna sort of bury the lead a bit a little bit here. That that is like probably the one that should be the one we look at, right? Yes. Because that, yes. what else like what else would we look at? The other one is like, can I afford this product? <laughs> right? That's the only other thing that you can really divide who your your buyers would be then. Because like if if cards are out the window, then the only thing we can think about is like, well, uh, I guess like can I afford it? Then is like the yeah. question, you know? Um, and the problem is if, if, uh, so, so to create my proof here, I guess, let's say given that the, uh, we, you know, the ideal scenario would be that, uh, the, the cards are going to be the, the factor that we look at when we're trying to, um, 
determine if if a set's for us, then um, if that would not be the case, then we would be in a, in a world where all we're doing is looking at the the price of a product and determining if it's something that we should buy and and what sort of system are we in then? Well, we're we're in a system where players are effectively sort of casted into what they can play based on what how the size of their wallet, what they can afford, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the and that's you know that's unfortunate. The the I mean it it's always kind of been with magic, but it's it's increased though the the monetary gatekeeping as it were is I think increased over time and and part of that and i mean this again this we can go back we can re reach over into uh arena land um but the the fact that standard in paper is is dead i mean i i had a guy come in for the first time last friday saying hey you got standard running tonight i'm like i, I can but <laughs> you're the only person here <laughs> yeah yeah, and like, and and I, I bring that up specifically because like I don't think anybody wants to be in a scenario where we're just saying like, well, you can either play the format you can afford, or you can play the you know, or you can not play the game or whatever right. you know, like like um. So if 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 we're going to try and uh, then like use that judgment, like okay, well, like how how can we how can we deem if a set that's released is for us, you know, like. Looking at Double Masters 2022, let's let's say then that let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say like okay, well then we'll be able to determine if a set is for us by the cards alone because we don't want to live in the world where it's like they either just like like the world we're talking about by the way is 30th anniversary set is the 30A yeah. 30A is the set where it's like you can either afford it or you can't. That's how you if you want to know if 30A is for you, it's if and like they they're I think they're not I'm jumping ahead a little bit here to talk sure. about it, but I think they're not, I think they're, they're not coy about that at all. It's like that, yeah. that was their direct response to 38 was like, yeah. can you afford thousand dollar booster packs? Then no, it's not for you. Like that's, which is, can, can hurt a little bit. So let's, let's look at say double masters 22. Um, so Dana, is there any magic player that doubles masters 2022 isn't for <laughs> based on the cards alone? Based on the cards alone, no. I mean, it's got. I think it's got a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, there's, there's, it's got commander stuff in it. It's got legacy stuff in it. It's got modern stuff in it. You'd have to be you a know. dedicated standard player, right? That's like yeah. you're like if you're like I only play standard. Yeah. Then you would skip twenty two. Twenty two. You, you just yeah. You'd yeah. like. Um, so we can we can then say that so establishing my proof again we can then say because of that that Double Masters twenty twenty two is for you know well given what you just said ninety nine percent of the player base basically right um, most standard players are just playing in arena really um, right eternal formats yep so um, so in that case then Dana we've now established that we can't you cannot determine if twenty twenty two is Double Masters twenty twenty two is for you based on the cards because it's pretty much for everybody then. That's where we start to get the the concern about pricing, right? Because like, well, but it's a very expensive set to oh, buy cards yes. from. Yes. And and I think that's where, you know, looking at it from that framing, we see why players can have an issue with it. It's obviously as a was a very exciting set because most players wanted it. They wanted the cards in it, yeah, but yeah. it was unfortunate then they produced a set that most people wanted to get cards from. And 
the only ways to buy it were like you could buy draft boosters, but even draft boosters were pretty expensive for the set. They're still they're still seventeen dollars. Yeah. And and then collectors boosters are ninety bucks a pack or whatever. Like Yeah, I I think they're at an all time low at like sixty something. Wow. Right now. I so I mean it's and I won't necessarily say that's affordable because it's it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's so ultimately that's the point I want to make. I wanted to use 2022 as a framing device to kind of look through and think about these lenses by which we can look at them and determine, look at the different sets and determine like, because I think like if you look at, you can look at, easily look at Neon Dynasty, New Capenna, Dominari, United Brothers War, like, like, who are they for? Well, that's the question is like, do you care about the cards in the set? Um, And I think that's how sets should be if if their goal is to make products that are not for everybody because they're they're not draining your wallet because you don't have to buy everything yeah yeah if they but then if they follow that up with like well we're making multiple sets in the year that are producing very expensive packs and you do actually want like everything in here that is where they're actually kind of causing an issue for players and then starting to price players out of the game a little bit because they're they're actually putting stuff that people are like i want to buy that but you kind of won't let me because you keep putting out products that i want to buy right um yeah yeah i mean yeah they're they're really they're gatekeeping themselves i mean i don't know are they're marketing i mean if we look at legacy and vintage players i mean i mean if you're going to play that format legitimately you got to have either you you have to have had a library of cards from back in the day you know or you've got to have a a substantial amount of money to play the play the format i mean yeah there's some there's some fringe tier decks that that aren't gonna you know cost you a a down payment on a car but for the most i mean if you want to be competitive if you want to play in that format competitively it's going to cost you yeah um and and we have you know we have modern i mean you can get into modern and have a legitimate deck like like eight whack or 12 whack goblins you know or even elves you know and to be relatively competitive um and it's going to be on you know it's going to be affordable i think to most people who are playing collectible card games because it's within that you know 100 to 300 dollar range to get all the cards you need you know and and maybe i'm wrong in in my uh, estimation of that value you know but uh but that's kind of where i where i put things you know, if like if you can get into it for a hundred bucks and and play it, you know, then that's relatively affordable. And the I think I think one downfall that we found from Magic sort of pushing standard largely into arena for play. I don't know if it's intentionally Wizards, you know, Wizards' intention to do that, but like based on the way they've pushed older formats and com- they pushed Paper Commander, and also I do think to some degree because of the pandemic happening and everything too. Yes, yes. Um, I, you know, it's like Standard has largely become the format that you just kind of play on Arena and otherwise you don't worry about it. Um, and I think I do think unfortunately because of that, um, Standard had the, the big benefit to Standard for people who play card games and don't play Magic, um, a lot of players who play cards and don't play magic don't enjoy that when card games introduce a rotation uh, system. Standards always been the rotating currently yep. legal, you know, currently most recent sets are legal format. Um, and the benefit to that is that where Dana says like, well, you know, it's like an affordable game to play where you pay 100 to $300 for a, a single deck or whatever. It's like um, for some card games, that would be a pretty absurd amount, actually. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. But standard was always the format where... 
Um, unless you're talking about the tippy top tier deck or whatever, like the number one deck where, where that would usually hit that range. You could get in on a slightly lower tier deck for less than a hundred usually. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially if you had a stock of just like lands that, that were like, like dual, dual type lands that they were just like reprinting or whatever at the time. Yeah. Um, pain lands for a while, that kind of stuff where it would like kind of helped you get into just building whatever decks you needed to. Um, but we, you know, now that that means you talk talk about like gatekeeping and, and ease of access to the game. It's like the most the most affordable format to play on a competitive level is not being pushed at all. Right. Right. Yeah. And what does that do to our player base? You know, no, that that is you, you probably put that in the best. I think uh, like just frame that the best way you can is that is that is that the the most accessible part of our game we're not yeah we're not pushing it you know and it's and except in in the digital realm and and again you know that's then they they play the free i mean i know you can play arena for free and you can draft for free by completing you know daily events and thing and weekly events and things like that but i mean they're they're after your money on that they are you know, and they and buying yes. you know specific currencies, you know, and and that don't necessarily match the dollar amount. So you might have to buy two if you want to get this one thing, and then the randomized wild cards. I mean, it's it is what freemium is, you know. Mm -hmm. That then then they all you know almost every game follows that because it makes money. I mean, that's and 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 at the bottom line, that's that's why these companies exist. Yep. Yep. And, and, and we can't we can't get past that, that that just being part of it. But I do think it's interesting just to look at, you know, I think I think it'd be helpful if people framed how they're approaching every set. If we're if we're going to take wizards at their word and say, you know, their goal is to not make products that every single person wants to buy. And that's why that's why they're not like draining your wallet a little bit. Um, I have no problem giving them the benefit of the doubt that there is a that there is a goal there. But I think what we can do is like look at the sets and, and go like, OK, well, are you achieving that with X set, with Y set, with Z set? And, and um, you know, again, I think the standard sets are are really great in general. I actually love the way they do standard sets right now. Honestly, like across the board, I, I you know, I think um, other than like, I think they should really continue to work on their like special treatments and chase cards and stuff. Yep, yep. Um, I like the standard sets. I like the commander only cards that are put into the commander decks. Actually, that's my my favorite part of spoiler season. Every every part of spoiler season is what are the new commander deck cards? Because they're sure. always like like stapling weird abilities together and like making really wild stuff. I just like those are my favorite things um, for sure. But um, design wise, they're you know I think they're they're really great and stuff. So I, I have no problem yeah. with that. But it is it is some of the other products. It is like. It is Commander Legends, Infinity Double Masters, that that kind of stuff. Like when you add it on to these standard sets, and and then you, your secret layer here and there and everything. It's that's where it starts to like, I feel like weigh you down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is. It's definitely wallet fatigue, you know. And and one thing that I that which is interesting. This is just something I noticed when we had our first RCQ, the one for Atlanta earlier this year, and we did it in standard, just because we're like, hey, let's let's fire off some standard. Well, yeah. One, th one thing that's interesting is like back in the day when, you know, you put a standard deck together, you bought your packs and that out of these various sets, you know, and I'm like, I've, I've got a collection of these cards. Well, one thing that we noticed, and I think it would be something that we'd see more of if, if standard were still a thing is there's a number of players who are like, Oh yeah, this came in my draft pack and, but it's a commander only card. And so when we're doing deck checks, you know, we're looking at them like, Oh, 
dude, sorry, man, you can't play that. That's a oh, commander yeah. card. They don't. They don't even. Uh, they, they they can't keep up with the system with like what's even legal and standard and and uh, yeah, yeah. They're releasing those now. Well, and that I mean, was you know. I can't oh, help ahead, but think though that would be like sort of. You know, if standard were more popular, that would be more common knowledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's it's not because you know nobody's playing standard. Yeah. Unless they're playing on the computer, you know, and and you've got your your cards. It's telling you which cards are legal and which cards aren't. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's um, I, I do hope I do hope they continue to I, I hope they think about, you know, how to how to make sure your players can access the game competitively because you're not you can't build a competitive. That's another like you want to wonder why, why you why games like Flesh and Blood and, and a lot of actually a lot of other smaller card games are are able to start to build these competitive systems because it, it doesn't cost three hundred dollars. Yeah. to build a base deck like a, a budget deck to get into like right, a right. format or whatever you know it's like you, you know they that would be several high level competitive decks in in multiple games um yeah and you know and, and you know i'm coming from a guy who plays magic and so so you're enlightening me on on the cost of these you know and i think i've heard that you know other places saying hey you know the magic it's just so expensive i can play this game which i find just as fun and has just as many cool mechanics and it's not going to break the bank so yeah it's it is you know it is different if you're just a magic player and you haven't experienced that there's a there is i'm not going to say it's like an all grass is greener thing right because again magic's the biggest game in the world it affords a lot of um a lot of benefits from being how big it is and you got things like arena which is like which like some of the monetization issues that they've been working on aside, um, but they also some of which they're like you said they're just not going to work on. It's like just, just part and parcel of it. But yeah, um, yeah. that aside, it's it it is one of the better digital TCG platforms out there. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, from what you have I've, access I've, to, I've played it, you know, and and especially comparing it to MTGO. I mean, oh, MTGO, <laughs> you almost have to have an engineering degree just to understand it in its Windows ninety five formatting. You know, uh, whereas Arena, you've got, you know, it's it it's very accessible. You know, you can run through the tutorial pieces. You know, it's got some exciting graphics for certain cards, which I think is really neat. You know, I still get some... like I get I get scared every time I use um, with the Realm Cloak Giant, the whatever the Wrath side, the adventure side of oh, that, yeah, yeah. that, the adventure Wrath spell that becomes a giant, right? Whatever. Right. Like every time I use that card, I play it, and then like I like get startled when the big hand comes in and grabs it. <laughs> I'm like, what's on my phone? Oh, it's the it's just the giant that I just literally just played. <laughs> and the fact that it's that that's available on mobile, and yes. it's optimized on mobile, I think that's really amazing. You know that you can have that same experience. It it um, is it was a game changer. I I actually play other than when I'm streaming Arena now. I mostly just play mobile. Um, there are a few bugs. Like I I get some crashes and stuff sometimes, but sure. like I it's it's good enough. You know, <laughs> like where where I'm able to. It's replaced any other digital. Um, most digital games that I play on my my mobile gaming is pretty much just Arena now because it's like yeah. I, it just it works. So and I've and I've heard that from multiple people. Like I've eliminated all mobile games off my phone because I found out I was spending far too much money on yeah. that freemium aspect. So that will happen. Like, nope, nope, get, get it out of there. Get it out of there. Um, okay, so yeah, we're we're definitely going long here, but I think there's just been so much good stuff to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna go and push ahead and just kind of close out the year with a couple of items. Uh, we're gonna talk about Dominaria United real quick. Um, a return to Dominaria um, was fine. 
yeah, <laughs> it was fine. I mean, fine. we got we got to see some some cool stuff. Some you know they and you know some hearkening back to to Urza and Mishra and uh, Ashnod and and those cards that we remember. Well, at least that I remember mm-hmm. from from those original sets back in the day. And you know, giving them new treatments. You know, and there's some really good stuff I think in there. I mean, you know, and then you've got like you got like Urza. Well, I guess this would go to Brothers War, but you got like Urza and Mishra. You know as as young kids as adults and then as old cranky dudes you know yeah that that would be brothers war dominaria and i think i actually uh, dominaria i was i've cooled on a little bit but i still did really enjoy that again that sealed format in particular i found really fun uh, because domain was actually quite powerful having all five land types um, the domain cards were legitimately good in that format Joda's, I think it was called Joda's Codex, the like the which became like a pay one tap draw card if you had domain yep. um, artifact. That it was like that was if you're by the way if you open if you ever play Sealed Dominar United you open that card you're just try see if you can make five color work yep. because yeah. like and even if you can't <laughs> you can make three or four play that card it's so good. Right. Um, if you can draw a card for less than three mana you're doing well. Yes, yeah, and 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 kicker you know like I'm I'm an older school player so kicker is like right up my alley it's yep. it's my thing yep. it's like just just make the spell slightly better if i pay a little more for it i love that this it's always good um but yeah like ultimately it's like i you know i don't think it was a bad release i don't think it was i no. don't it's i think it was a i think it was okay it was solid you know and, it, and you know i thought it was kind of cool that they you know like you had the chance to open an original legends card in a in a uh collector collector pack which I thought that was, was cool yeah i've I opened three. None of them were good. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else I've known, like nobody I know has opened like anything that's been like very good. But I mean, it's, yeah. it's cool that they're there and they're yeah. legitimate old cards. You know, it's the, that kind of nostalgia to attach it to a to a, uh, a card set that's based on nostalgia. Eh, yeah, it fits. It fits. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It was a it was a decent set. It did, and it introduced actually. I really currently enjoy. There's a standard deck that I really love playing. That's uh, Esper Legends. That has a good mix of cards from everything throughout the year. But Dominaria United really powered that with uh, Urtai and Ritadrabic oh, sure. and stuff. It's a oh, yes. that's a so right now I just right now I, in particular I am enjoying a number of the cards in that set because that makes that deck really pretty sweet. Oh, legit. Um, uh, I'm gonna jump right from that because I don't think there's like a ton to say about that. Um, well, we got we got Liliana the Veil reprint. That was cool. Yes, and and that is a great reprint. That is a that card is. It turns out it's still good. Oh, I guess let's say one more thing. Ban Shieldred is a hell of a card. Holy oh, yeah. cow! Like especially looking at Nuka Penna and seeing uh, was it Urabrask? Yeah, Ur- oh poor Urabrask. You know, and because like. Guy. Like the original Urabrask is actually pretty cool, but yes. the new one was eh, kind of stinky, honestly. And, and the new Jin Gataxius in Kamigawa was pretty pretty cool. Not a little as, expensive, but pretty cool, yeah. And not as like game breaking as the original Jin. No, was. and I don't think anyone was asking for that. To be honest, right, like, right. We've got enough of that nonsense. But yeah, Shieldred. I mean, yes, yeah, very solid card. I got my play set, so I'm happy. <laughs> I, I'm just playing in an arena, so I'm good. <laughs> I have so many mythic wild cards, you have no idea. <laughs> and the and the stained glass treatment, um, I think was mm. really cool. In it was that a set. beautiful treatment on cards. Yep, the stained glass lands. The the one I loved the the kind of the nebulous lands. I think those are from Theros. 
yes. beyond. Yeah, I honestly, really... these these replace those for me. Yeah, I, yeah, me too. Me too. They're, I like them. Just they're the same concept, yep. but just a little bit better. I think. Yep. Um, Brothers War. Um, I really like Brothers War though, as a yeah. set. Yeah, it's uh, it's got some really cool mechanics brought back some really cool cool mechanics i i do like the prototype mechanic i think that is i think that's neat um especially i mean it it's interesting i mean going a little off the rails and seeing how it plays in commander when you got prototype because you got a colorless card but if you're playing for the prototype cost now it's that color yes so, it does and that doesn't matter here's another thing here's a tidbit for you this is an arena only tidbit i'm sorry i keep going no, i go play i play a decent it. amount of arena yeah 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 um but i did not know what happened until i used it i this was an interaction despite being a judge for a long time i looked at these cards and i'm like i am not sure how these work i'm just gonna have to play it and find out so there's a number of cards in arena that perpetually grant things to cards Yes. Um, yep. cards that like perpetually give a card plus one plus one is something that sure. happens on a few different effects um, so I didn't know what would happen when I used that on a prototype card uh, is that effect the only the regular mana cost does the is the prototype or not mana cost only the original power toughness is the prototype power toughness a separate like it becomes this and it doesn't matter what the what the like base power toughness is sure like um, it turns out it affects both so okay. that's what I would that's what I would assume that's what I hoped when I threw Steel Seraph into my Clement deck, which is just a deck that's all about, I'm going to play a two drop every single game that makes all of my creatures way above the curve. And I'm just going to stomp you with them. Um, and yeah, it turns out a uh, Steel Seraph um, at a four, four for three mana is really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty spicy. So um, yeah, that, that was just an interesting tidbit, but yeah, like I, the thing that I like about, um, about brothers war is that it, for me, it, it harkens back in feel a little bit to, and maybe this will be weird to some people, but I'll explain it to rise of the Eldrazi, my, which is my, my all time favorite set. Yeah. Um, and, and it's because it, um, it has a number of mechanics that are about building and pushing the game longer and using sort of more like haymaker bombs at the end and decks have access to more in like like in rise format you know limited format getting ulamog's crusher was like yeah yeah this is like yeah. gonna be one of my like it's a common that's one of my ways to end the game and right. and you're or just gonna build razor. up your yeah path razor yeah. ulamog yeah. yep yeah. i have another great one yeah um or of course if you open a mythic eldrazi you're like yeah yeah let's do this we're gonna yeah. go, go to town um <laughs> But, you know, it, it feels like that a little bit of power stones and and these prototype creatures. And like it's there's a number of different mechanics in there from from like unearth effects that are trying to give you value uh, yes. later in the game for something you played earlier to the prototype ones that are asking you. You can hold this for late game and power stones develop. It's like it's just got a little bit of that. Let's make the game go a little bit longer, play a little yeah. bit slower built into it. And um, and it feels to me like uh you know, I, I, like, again, I don't, the story is like, what, like, I, I know I get the Brothers War idea of the story and I, and I appreciate the like relevance of that, but like, sure. I'm mechanically for me, I'm like looking at the set and going like, you know, this is like, it's like, what if they took Mirrodin and made it Rise of the Eldrazi and that's Brothers War to oh, me. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good analog. I like that. Yeah. And it, and, and for me, it just like, it really works. It just feels, yeah, sure. it feels really fun. I love that set. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, because you got cards like uh, Cityscape Leveler, which feels kind of like an Eldrazi. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that card's know. been blown up a little bit too. People right, have been figuring right. that one out. That's a spicy one. Um, 
And one thing they did in Brothers War that they have finally introduced, which uh, other card games have been putting out already, but like, again, magic traditionally behind the curve, it seems, but they're there now, um, <laughs> is serialized cards um, as yes. collectibles. So um, how do you, Dana, how do you feel about the serialized cards edition? I think they're, I think they're cool. Um, I think it's a good, I think it's a worthwhile chase. Um, I've known several people who've opened some really spicy ones, uh, Mox Amber, mm-hmm. uh, the Ramos Dragon Engine, uh, let's see, Worm Coil Engine. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, it, and I mean, it's, and it seems like they're more common than, uh, actually pulling a Shattered Glass Transformer foil. Yeah, the whole Transformer thing has really surprised me. I didn't realize, like, how valuable those <laughs> shattered foil things would be. So that's crazy. Yeah, it was one of the one of our same players who has a very large collection and buys lots of stuff uh, actually did pull a shattered glass Megatron. Wow. And I'm just like, you should sell that. Nope, it's going to my collection. I'm like, eh, party on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What's your what's your take on this question? What's going to hold value better, Shattered Glass, Optimus Prime, or Neon Pink Hidetsku? I want to say probably the Neon Ink. It's it's still in the Magic universe um, because even though I'm kind of I, I don't really care like as far as universes beyond, it doesn't affect me either way. Um, I can well I can say I, like I bought all the collector 40k decks because. I love 40k and it's in magic form. I mean, it's like win-win for me. Um, so, but, but I think all in all, I, I think the, the print rate was probably going to be, is probably less for those neon inks just for as many as I've seen. Cause I have seen like at least several transformers, you know, and, but I've, I've seen more or I've seen fewer of the ink of the actual neon ink cards. So, I think what's what's really interesting about the Transformers is that we've seen them go to universes beyond for like specific IPs that people love quite a bit in secret layers already. Yeah. Which are, you know, print order, print on demand kind of kind of situations over a period of presale time or whatever. Um, This is this is the first time they've taken. I mean, they did Godzilla, but that was like not like this exactly. They've they've sort of made a chase card, I guess I should say. In a booster set, uh, they made chase cards in a, in a booster set of an IP that is very beloved by people. It's really the first time we've seen that, um, right? So and, far, and I think the fact that it was that it's Hasbro is that it had to have been Transformers. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, but I do think that maybe weighs into the you know the debate between the value of those sort of those potential long term holds. Uh, maybe more than you could be giving it credit for, because I do, I do maybe. wonder. You know, like like yeah, magic magic collectors are gonna like magic cards, right? But a Transformers collector can also like a rare magic card, whereas a magic collectors are the only ones who will really care about magic cards. No, um, no, that's like, a yeah, pool's a, a little great, more open, you know. So yeah, that's a that's a great perspective. Um, no, uh, the, again, I'm gonna I got to give you credit, man. That's that's a really good perspective and that's simply because you you've got a you've got just a wider 
focus where I'm, you know, I'm kind of stuck in my little magic cave. So. <laughs> well, no, it's like, I'm not, I'm not like seeking praise, but like, I, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting to talk about because, you know, if we're going to look at, I, I was just realizing as we're talking about the entire year, we're like, here's the collectible from this set. Here's the collectible from this set. Here's the, like, and you know, you got to look back and think like, well, what, sh like, if I'm like someone who's like holding on, I was thinking also about like our local players who are like pulling this and that and everything, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, if, if you wanted to, if you just were, you were tired of just looking at everything in a binder and you're like, okay, how do I take my binder and turn it into the most value to hold onto? Like, what should I be trading for? You know, I was, th I was sure. thinking about like, I wonder if you'd trade that shattered glass for a neon ink or whatever. And I was like, well, I wonder what you should maybe hold on to. And I, I, no, that's, uh, yeah, it's, a, I, it's a good I take. The one thing we need to see is really just like, we need a couple more months probably of pull data on brothers war just to like, see if, if anything starts to sort of like, we usually find as like, you know, as more of the neon ink started to get open, the price started to dip on those yep. a bit. Um, and uh, I haven't been watching the Transformers to see if like Brothers War Shattered Glass are like holding or dipping or anything. Um, yeah, it's I think initially they had they had some really high price points uh, for yeah, the foils. They did. And I, I still think like your like your Megatron, Optimus Prime, Soundwave and uh, Ultra Magnus are like your top four. Because those are your multicolor, basically commander cards. Yeah. I would say, you know, they're all they're all holding prices of thousand dollar or above per yeah. card. <laughs> that's so, that's so nuts. <laughs> I just I I but see like you you can give me the credit, but like I actually would not have told you that at all going to the set. I've been like, yeah, like whatever. Like who you know, it's a Transformers card. But that's my that's my like personal bias perspective where I like never was really into Transformers as a kid. So like I sure. just sure. Um, so I would have totally called that one wrong initially, <laughs> but you know, we got hindsight behind us. So that's good. Um, so yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how brothers war continues to shape up, but it's, I think it was a cool set. I enjoyed the limited yeah. environment quite a bit. Um, and, uh, it has, it seems to have some potential to impact, you know, um, various formats and, uh, will you know, from, from prototype cards, which are kind of interesting, like blink enablers and certain decks yeah. and, and everything to, uh, these like unearth cards unearth yeah provide super, super good mishra. value graveyard value and M mishra mishra the the rare version of mishra he's Would the you... one who gives all, he's the one who gives all your permanence ward oh. discard or sacrifice a permanent i was getting sick of playing that guy i was getting sick of playing him in the brothers war event on arena where you had to play urza versus mishra oh sure i'm so sick of like oh if i target anything i have to sack a permanent <laughs> I mean, that's just, I've, I've seen, I've seen some plays in standard with that, just in some weird brews watching on streams. And I've, and I watched, actually, I watched a, a commander game the other night where, uh, where one of our players was running that, that Mishra and just devastating. Yeah, I believe that. I definitely believe that. Um, he also gives your artifacts on earth, right? So like yeah. you can do some, like he, he's a, that's a powerful, there's, and I think that's so cool. I really do appreciate that. They took the, some of the most iconic characters of magic and they just gave them like multiple new cars. Like something yeah. here is going to be dope. When I was playing that brothers war event, it was actually on stream just the other night, uh, on our Wednesday night, uh, arena streams on Twitch. Um, sorry, I have to like plug it a, no, a little no, bit. No, absolutely. That's um, what you gotta do. But, uh, I was I was playing the Brothers War event specifically, and my goal specifically was I was I was playing the Urza deck that could meld, and I was I refused to win the game unless I was melding the Planeswalker, <laughs> <laughs> and I I one of those games went for 
I damn, I think damn near an hour. It was, wow. it was a, it was a grind. I had gotten down my hundred card historic brawl deck. I got it down to 20 cards roughly the first time. <laughs> the first, the first time is the keyword <laughs> because I melded and then I used the abilities and then they, they whipped together some combo or whatever and took my planeswalker out. And I was like, well, I didn't win the game. So I then casted the aftermath side of the whatever card that shuffles our graveyards into our decks and we each draw seven again. And I'm like, <laughs> right well, on. commit to memory. I think it was the memory side. Okay. I was like, well, all right, we'll try again. And then I think it took me to like 40 or 50 cards in my deck before I melded it again. And then my opponent conceded the game <laughs> finally well done. <laughs> and I was like, well done, but it's all good i melded i, I melded yep. and i won that's all that matters no i mean that's you know it's a lot of times you know i i've got a number of players who i who are really good players and and they like to throw together some jank you know and it's like what is your goal to come in tonight and they're like i just want to do this thing as long as i can do that he's like, i don't care if I win a game but as long as i can do that i'm happy i'm like I like that. I really enjoy that. That is specifically how I play Historic Brawl. Um, I'm I'm actually going to be publishing some some deck videos on the channel pretty soon here, where I'm I've been sort of honing what I want to get out of like doing some videos um, for Arena, and specifically, I've decided that the way I like to play Historic Brawl is to find one really specific thing I like to do and then just build a deck then like sort of a weird kind of a niche thing and then build a deck that achieves that as efficiently as possible because historic brawl is actually a, a kind of a cutthroat format a lot of the sure. time sure yeah um you know a lot of decks are just going like into the north ramp stuff into like some just obscene like card or what like i had one earlier today that was like enter the infinite into omniscience into like like whatever like okay like you got me like good job <laughs> whatever um and recently the one i've been playing is a, a johnny sleeper agent um oh, okay and and i i don't attack you i'm i'm gonna win with 10 poison counters that's the only way the only Fair. way to win and you would be surprised how brutal that deck actually is. oh i believe it i believe it that's awesome yeah so so yeah i guess if you're watching the channel you can look forward to that too some some of those will be coming out i don't know how it'll do um but i'm excited just to get some videos out for those because it's it's been a lot of fun so um last last release i want to talk about warhammer 40k commander decks because you mentioned them already sure. um my take on these i'm gonna start right away just jump right in best release of the year that's my take i think is um i can't really disagree with you um i'm trying to be objective because of yes. my love for 40k but one thing that they just nailed was the mechanics and the theming of all the cards they put in there it's just i mean this is that's the kind of development and research i want to go into every magic set if they can do the same thing they did with 40k because they did it so well i totally agree with you and actually the but the reason specifically that i that i say it's the best release of the year is partially because of that because they took a theme and they nailed it if the if the upcoming lord of the rings set does that oh i'm gonna be happy i'm gonna be oh, a happy happy yes, person yes. with that um i know they're taking like some creative liberties with like their uh, like character appearances and everything which is great like i'm totally for that and everything but like i'm not saying like it's got to be like you got to have vigo mortensen as aragorn i'm gonna be mad which is like <laughs> right like, right <laughs> like what you know that's not i don't i don't care about that you know but like i want i definitely want the theme to come through on the feel yes. of the cards and and uh but it, they nailed it for the 40k release um and specifically the thing that i love about this was that um effectively what the in in my opinion the 40k release was 
a second Commander Legends set for the year. Yeah, yeah. However, you just bought the decks and you were done. And and they never do things like that, really. That's like this, like it's very, yeah. very novel to do it this way. Because you had like what, a hundred and hundred and seventy some new cards? Yeah. Split between yeah. the four decks. Yeah, that's essentially a, like half a set. three quarter of a set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 you but you just got to buy the decks. If you didn't even want the whole set, you just bought the thing you wanted. Yeah. Um and in so okay, you want to talk about earlier we're saying like okay, cash grabs, like are they are we if you want to figure out something cash grab, is this good to the players? Is it pro players a player focused? The commander 40k decks, I mean, it doesn't really get much more player friendly than just saying have the card you want. Yep. They can't always do that because a TCG loses that it when it, there there's a big difference between how people in, engage with the hobby of collectible card games between and how they engage with the hobby of like living card games and and board game type things like that um there's a lot more less it's subject for an entire new thing but a lot less um investment that goes into that uh, from psychologically speaking and, sure. and emotionally as a release that just happens every now and then you know just doing a set now and then where people can just kind of buy the product that they're looking for and and get the things they want that that is a way that the players wallet fatigue can sort of be lessened in that way yeah, they don't feel yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to pay as much as you would pay for a single like collector booster box or whatever, and you get the entire right. set. I mean, that's. Yeah. That, no, you know, I, that, that's, great. that's. I think that's a. I think that is an absolutely great example of what they could do right. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I think. I think if we're going to look at any product from the year and say like this is this highlights Magic at its best, I think it's Warhammer Forty K. Even if with those like collector those collector sets that you got the collector ones, I was un yep. un unfortunately unable to get. I just couldn't shell out for the collector ones at the time. Right. Um. Right. And I, at first I was like like kind of bummed. I was like, man, like it really sucks that I can't get the the cool the foils of everything. But then I just thought, oh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. Well, whatever. Like, fine. I can still get the cards, and I'm happy that I can just have the right. cards. And and to be honest, they're sitting in the box, and that's where those those surge foils are sitting in the box. And they're <laughs> they're sitting up on my up on my sealed magic shelf display. I've got like the commander anthologies and you know, like game night and those guys. Yeah. Um, but I bought I bought the regular ones too. Sleeved them all up. Uh, I made a couple minor changes, but they had to be within theme. Sure. To each deck like one or two cards i think at three maybe at most and usually it was a little bit of, of beefing up the mana base a little bit yeah but uh but other than that i kept them as 40k as i could and uh and just just so i can like hey guys let's play a game of let's play a game of commander and i said we'll each play a 40k deck so yeah yeah and the, the fact that this can come out and like market to um 40k players who were interested in magic like that's the big benefit of universes yeah. beyond is like magic's yeah. ability to outreach a little more to people who who weren't necessarily interested in magic lore and get them kind of invested in the game um a little bit where they might start to look at the other you know the rest right. of the game yeah this is this is pretty fun you know what else do we got yeah no absolutely yeah yeah so, um, I, I mean, I think you and I are on the same page about that. It was a, it was an excellent release. I would love to continue to see if this is if this is how they continue to do universes beyond. I'm happy, but like honestly, I I would like to to see them like I the next D and D set maybe should be done this way instead. You know, yeah. like I think that would be so cool just to be able to like get into some like Ravenloft or something oh, where they where they fun. yeah it just gets yeah there's <laughs> there's you know I I think there's a lot of good options, but like. 
I think that would continue to be a great way to just like, again, outreach to other to, to people like because like it's one thing to say, hey, do you like 40K? Well, here's some randomized packs for you to buy and you might like them and you might you might right. like what you get. You might not. I don't know. Um, it's it's so much. It's just a very it's a very player friendly thing to do. And that's uh, yeah. we could we could use a maybe a little more of that. I think that uh, I, th- I think uh, to to put an to put a cap on the year. Um, I think that is probably the the best thing that Wizards could do. Yes, absolutely. Is is curate something. Is keep on that curation of uh, whether it's commander decks, things like that. Um, I mean, that even falls into Jumpstart to a degree because I mean, Jumpstart each pack is curated to a specific theme. You know, I like Jumpstart too. I, you know, I'm not yeah. going to talk much about 2022. It's it's Jumpstart. It's more Jumpstart. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's fine. It's just, but like just more themes. Jumpstart's a fun product. It's it's something that I do recommend to new players. Just like yeah, just grab a couple of those and slam them together. You'll have a fun deck. You like you yeah. legitimately will just enjoy exploring the me- mechanics in your deck, and it yeah. doesn't cost you very much. So yeah, ten bucks. Yeah. Bada boom. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the thing that capstoned our year was Magic 30th anniversary. Yeah. So <laughs> um, my, I've talked a lot about this. I've talked a lot about this with, with um, some people. I've talked a lot on our streams about it, too, if you've been on any of those. But like 30th anniversary, it comes down to this for me. Um, I <laughs> this is this is a celebration um, this is marketed as a celebration for the players for 30th anniversary, but I I don't feel like much of it actually was one that that the players were able to engage in celebrating. You know, no, it's like no. it's kind of like you guys can watch other people have a celebration or watch us celebrate the game or something without really being able to engage yourself there. There were a series of promos that were given to stores. Those were fine. Uh, you know, I don't have any problem with the, the 30th anniversary yeah. promos that were given to stores. Um the other products sort of fell flat in a couple of ways. There's a 30th anniversary secret layer that came out. It had 30 different cards that had a 30% chance of being foil. And um, yep. you, I, I get, purchased that. Yep, which which is great. The problem with that was that it, I don't know if they were just trying to be cute or whatever, but you could also purchase only up to 30 of them when you sure. ordered them. And um, that caused a lot of uh, people with online stores and expendable yeah. money or whatever to just buy out the limited print yeah. run of those. Yeah. Cause was, they weren't, weren't print to order. Like they normally are. They had a set amount and like, no. yeah. And, um, and in my personal opinion, if you're going to try to produce a product that you want the, the average Joe player, Billy magic player, Cindy mm-hmm. magic player to, to be able to pick up and, and, and go, wow, I love magic. I'm going to pick that up your first mistake is making it so that a store can just buy 30 copies of it before Billy gets a chance to buy one, you know, yeah. Cindy gets a pin chance to buy one. So I, um, I, I definitely, I, I was actually quite behind the product until that happened. And I saw that and I thought I, that just, that, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, to me. And, uh, and I do wish they had gone about that a little differently. Otherwise it's a cool product. Um, but it's uh yeah it it did it, it was it was a way that felt like it was supposed to be a way for you to join in the 30th anniversary celebration yeah. but it was actually very difficult to join in the 30th anniversary celebration because of that yeah it seems like it's a, that's their theme well um, yeah and the, and then let's the let's talk about 30a huh <laughs> 30a is the 30th anniversary reprint effectively of beta 
but with um, a slot for retro, not retro, but fut- like current modern frames of cards like Black Lotus all the way down to, you know, like Thought Lace or <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. Like Pier Lace, Death Lace. <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, and uh, importantly, MSRP is $250 per single booster pack uh of cards that have a not not that do not have a magic card back they have a 30th anniversary card back they are not legal cards right um furthermore they were sold in two ways one of which was a well they were given out as a surprise to people who attended the The 30th anniversary anniversary event when they bought an exorbitantly priced ticket yeah the vip the black lotus vip yep yep Second, so three three ways. Second, they were given to stores at incredibly limited quantities to the point where a lot of stores aren't didn't even sell them. They just just vaulted them. I mean, what they, if what, if you weren't a premium store, you got one box. If you were a premium store, you got three. Yeah, and so like again, if we're gonna keep, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna bring this question up each time. So for the for the VIP uh, at the 30th anniversary celebration that you had to travel to Las Vegas to go to. Yep. What was that? Was that a way a player, Billy Magic player, could get in on 30th anniversary? No, it wasn't. No. Um, this because Billy was going to have to spend minimum like fifteen hundred dollars for the weekend just before he eats food. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so then the store is getting the 30A uh, packs, one box to normal to regular stores, three boxes to premium. That a lot of stores just could do what they wanted with, but wouldn't. Why would they even sell them when they don't have? any basically um and who would they sell them to probably not billy um so is that a way billy can get in or cindy can get in no nope um then the final way was a limited release online which was probably the best way to get in on the set which um we're not even getting into there's a question up in the air as to whether or not it actually even sold out um yeah uh there's plenty of stuff online you can look into if you're curious about that. Oh, yes. Yep. yep. Um, I have my opinion. Dana has his opinion. Everyone has their own opinion on what happened there. Um, but regardless, it was they were available for a period of time, and then an announcement said they were no longer available. Um, could you get it on that? Yeah. It sounds like you could have, um, probably. But then again, you're... You have to then go online and spend a thousand dollars. You couldn't buy a single pack. You'd buy a thousand dollar per box. Yeah. Um, probably a limit of some kind, but I don't know, like I think I don't it was know, I think five? it was five. Yeah, five, five per order. Yeah. So sorry, you can only spend five thousand dollars on these yeah, sorry. Um, proxies. <laughs> <laughs> so. Or you know, get a used car, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, or ten PS fives. <laughs> um, about as easy to get. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, okay, who's this for? Well, like, honestly, this we can use our metric earlier. Like, is this for everybody from the cards alone? Probably not, because like, you know, do you need a Black Lotus proxy? (laughs) No, (laughs) like not most people. I would say this is the one product where I think like one of the products where I think their metric like we don't make things for everybody to buy. So if you couldn't buy it, you know, that's okay. That's kind of true here, I guess. But I will say that one thing was they started off. They they started off marketing celebration as 
a lot of players have never this is like a a paraphrase line from their article like yeah, players yeah. have have never had a chance to open a black lotus and now they can well <laughs> if they're independently wealthy yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh um yeah it's like it's not like you're going to your local store and everyone's like okay we all get to buy a pack and crack it open and like like there are ways to do this celebration where it is a celebration and everybody gets a chance to open one and like and it's right. honestly still probably wouldn't have blasted the price of like the duels or anything because like you're more likely to open any given blank lace garbage rare than you are a black lotus in yeah, your pack, or a mox know? or time walk or whatever else yeah um so it's like uh I, I feel I, the way I see it was 30th anniversary was very much a, a missed opportunity um, yes. to actually create a celebration that players could engage in. Um, and um, I guess all we can do is hope 35 is better <laughs> or whatever. I, I yeah, I, I can't really I can't really say it any better than you did. Um, they, they really missed it. I think it was. uh you know, it's to some people it was a slap in the face. To other people, it was just a a, a nombo combo, really. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, you know, and like I've said to many people, I said I still love this game, um, despite what uh, what the corporatization has done to it. And so we can only hope again, like uh, hope in five years that they've learned their lesson. We can hope in twenty twenty three that they've maybe learned their lesson and and actually you know have taken something from things like the 40k decks and how good that was mm -hmm. taking things from kamigawa uh, mm -hmm. and and showing us how we can take an old plane make it new again and make people love it with something new um you know and then maybe looking at some of our special treatments gilded foils like you mentioned you know gilded textured foils let's try that next with a little bit of galaxy glitter on them i don't care yeah. which but you know just some, something cool because it is that you know I, when i opened a textured foil and one in in a collector pack of double masters 22 i was like oh that is just awesome you know and, and believe it or not i opened a uh foil etched imperial seal and a textured Liliana, the last hope in the same pack. Wow. The God pack. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I was and we were just talking about how uh, Tim had bought Tim had bought a box and he had opened a super good pack. We're like, how can that be how can it be better than that? And then later on in the night I opened one of those. I'm like, well, this <laughs> this is how. <laughs> that's the way. Yeah. Um I, I mean I think that's absolutely right. The the way I take it, I wanna I do wanna kinda end on a slightly more positive note because it I mean there's I think ultimately this this was a year that was full of unfortunately missteps about every quarter there was some kind of misstep happening yeah yep. on on the other hand you know they're from a particular perspective right the, the perspective you can take here is that like who is releasing as much stuff as magic um the more stuff you release the more stuff isn't going to quite hit and that's actually that goes for a number of reasons one is just because a lot of numbers right it's, it's just, just statistics like, yeah, yeah yep the other hand is like the more sort of you know, the more different stuff you're kind of putting your effort into the harder it is to really nail like the you know there are other there are other games that are really smaller fewer things and and well they actually have misses too but you know some of their you know they they don't they just 
are able to kind of focus in on like not miss on something right. sometimes instead of like kind of being, you know, shot, it's almost like a shotgun approach. It's like, well, some of these are going to hit. Some of them aren't. Um, yeah. It's going to be up to you whether or not you appreciate the shotgun approach. Cause I think like, I think the shotgun approach gives us, um, it gives us some things that are, that, you know, we wouldn't have gotten otherwise if magic were continuing the same road that it continued uh, back from all the way back in like, zendikar era and stuff where we were sure. talking earlier is like the height of competitive play and everything um would we have jumpstart right now which we think is a great entry point would we have 40k decks would we have like uh commander, commander legend sets that are producing cards that we we enjoy for that format and everything yeah. even if they might have been a slightly underpowered set overall like um i you know i don't think so it's it's a yeah. it's a company that is they're a company that are, that try a lot of things um for better or worse, right? Yeah, that is, yeah, that is uh, that's an excellent that's an excellent uh, perspective, and and yeah, you've, you've really kind of made me think a uh, number of your number of your comments, and especially that is like, yeah, they really, you know, a lot of things they really miss the boat, but again, like you're saying, there's some you got to look at it as a whole. Nobody releases as much stuff as they do for Magic, and so. Just by the law of you know law of statistics, you're, some of those are going to miss, but some of them are going to hit like they have. So I think I think having a perspective like that, loving this game, I think is a is a way uh, to continue on. And so yeah, I really I really appreciate that perspective, Dan. Yeah, of course. And and I you know I do love magic, right? Like this, if if you listen to this whole podcast, like man, they really hate magic. That's not true. I'm gonna I I I played arena in this morning, and I played arena this afternoon. Actually, like two different <laughs> times. I was I was jamming some uh, some historic brawl games and having a great time. Um, I'm constantly tweaking commander decks. I'm trying to make it out to commander nights when I have I've I'm busy a lot of time, but I try to make it out when I have time. I love I love playing the game. Um, is it the game? that I currently go for, for competitive one V one play, um, when it's not at my computer, no, no um, yeah. it isn't. And that's because of everything we we're talking about earlier. I think, I think wizards has, um, I think wizards does need to, there, there are things that they do need to shore up. I'm not going to excuse them by saying it's a shotgun approach, right? I'm not, that's yeah. not like an excuse for them. It's like, well, you know what? They're trying, you know, it's like, right. They, I think but, they could try a little harder in a few yes. areas. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will say that um, I think, you know, if I can, I can just hope that, like you were saying, some of the events of the year will wake up some people at certain levels and sort of allow things to happen that will shore up, continue to shore up some of the weaknesses. We, we all want to see a game where the strengths are the average, right? Where it's like, like I'm feeling like every side release is as enjoyable as double masters but as uh efficiently priced as you know like 40k or something right. um and uh and the competitive play is the top of the line and there aren't other games that are just straight up doing it better because magic has more money to spend than them so it's just weird that it's just it's just frankly weird that magic yeah. isn't as competitive um in that arena specifically yeah um yeah and uh, if, but if, if, you know, I think 2022 can show us that like there are things that they can do well. And if they can focus on those and shore up the things that aren't, then we'll be looking at um, a, a brightening future as well. If, if you've been feeling dim at all from 2022. Yeah. And I, and again, just uh, coming back to 
to focus on those good things. Kamigawa, um, Double Masters 2022, despite the price, um, and 40K was, those are all home runs. Um, and yeah, I think, I think if, is if they can, if they can take something like constructive criticism, um, then yes. And maybe shore up some of their, uh, their printing problems. Um, cause that's, that, that's a, another yeah. whole discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't talk about that at all, but, um, I, they have, the cards have gotten a bit better. They have. Yep. The Pringling problem is less pronounced, but other games don't have it as bad as magic still. Right. Right. Just, just, that's just. That's just facts. Spitting even facts. Even compare, you know, even comparing between products, you know, you look at a foil and a, <clears throat> excuse me, collector pack versus a set pack versus a draft pack, and you got mm-hmm. three different versions of the same card that are supposed to be the same. A lot, a lot of that issue is, is yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they have to go through multiple different printers to get enough product printed. It's that's I've mentioned this before slightly too. There's there are a number of pitfalls that come with your game being the largest game. Um, yes, yes. As, as well it's you know and uh but but again again i don't use it as an excuse it's like it they should have the resources they should be yep. able to figure it out um so i you know hold the feet to the fire a little bit like well okay that's you know that's what we need to see but it's all out of love for you know this game that we started playing back when uh when when uh Revise came up for you when that beautiful thorn elemental was on that cd rom for me uh, <laughs> when uh when i had Vizardrix versus um trained org oh man Vizardrix and kezardrix i remember them yeah oh yeah 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 uh and and you know magic magic i i always told this to people too when i when i back when i worked at the shop um you don't you don't quit magic nobody nobody i ever talked to quit magic Everyone, everyone I ever no. talked to, they came and they sold their collection to say, well, I'm getting out. Like, okay, I'm going to just let you know. You'll be Nobody back. ever quits magic. Are you <laughs> sure you want to? Like, yep, yep, I want to. Didn't take long. A few years later, even sometimes, you know, sometimes a few years, whatever. They yeah, come yeah. Back, like, yeah, I was thinking about getting back in. I knew I'd see you again. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, even, even, after, even after that fateful day of Commander Legends, you know, I brought back... Uh, I brought back a couple of my old friends, um, and they're back in play. Well, I brought Tim back. Mm-hmm. I brought uh, Jared, and I brought Dane. All guys that I taught back to play back when we were in high school. You yeah, know, they're yep. all they're all back in it. So there's there's you know I, I mean like pun intended I guess, but there's there's a magic to it, right? It's uh, yeah. there's the original game. The 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 mechanics are, are just they're they're just timeless at this point sort of it's like as as much as we appreciate other games trying to like innovate on some of the concepts um when it comes down to it it's it's magic is magic has got that magical je ne sais quoi that we uh we all kind of end up coming back to 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 toy around with at different points in our lives and um and it's the one game where you can trust that whenever you're ready to play a tcg again it's going to be there for you and that's uh, and that's good. That's that's definitely a good thing. And I, you know, there have been articles on that. I remember there was an article. I think it was in Wall Street Journal or maybe in Forbes. And they're talking. <laughs> and this was back ten years ago when Magic was hitting their twentieth anniversary. They're going, "How have you been able to keep this game going so long when we have these other games that that can't do it? You know that these, you know, other than the fact that uh, you know the because I I can't remember when when Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast." But, you know, just seeing what Magic did to Wizards of the Coast to the point where they ended up buying TSR and Dungeons and Dragons, you know, mm-hmm. and became this, you know, and became this, this nerd juggernaut. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 in competitive play um, was a big part was a big thing that kept the has kept the game going. So that bringing that up earlier in the in our conversation is definitely something that uh, that where I think they've taken some missteps, but hopefully. Um, we can see an improvement on that in in the next or in the upcoming years. So we do see some improvements happening. So yeah, I'm I am yeah. I'm optimistic. I mean, I do think that eventually they're going to. I mean, I, I think for for better or worse, all these other TCGs are you know lighting a fire under their under their butts a little to. bit, and like you know they're seeing the success of Flesh and Blood is a is a game with a um, a similar sort of like Western style fantasy theming yeah. that that yeah. Magic has, and and they're they're doing they're doing pro literally just call them pro tours they're like whatever yeah. we're just gonna like steal the same structure that you guys stopped using like hey it's like are you guys still using that we're gonna borrow that for a little right, bit then right. if you're not um and uh and yeah hopefully magic like feels a little bit of that pressure coming from some of these these other card games and they go well let's let's step it back up let's be the let's set the bar again yeah no i agree that's uh that's been uh yeah this has been a, a good journey today yes tonight um yeah thank you so much Dana. this i can't believe how long we talked about this i mean i was afraid i knew the magic one would go long because there was just like there, <sighs> there's just magic is so much to talk about whereas like the my hero one we had we had uh two <laughs> two sets to talk about for my hero um and that was it magic i had we had uh we had one what three four or five six seven, like eight nine different products yeah, to go yeah. through and then, one, in one year yeah one year yeah, yeah and then a million <laughs> other like side things so like um yeah there was so much to talk about i do appreciate your patience so much dana and man like i hope you guys like maybe you split this up over a whole bunch of like commutes or something but i hope you did enjoy listening to uh to us kind of oh you yes. know just ramble on about magic for uh, almost three hours here today yeah it's uh this has been uh this has been enlightening just uh getting your perspective i mean coming from a guy who you know i've who i used to see your smiling face at paradox pretty regularly you know and uh and you were always uh always welcome it was always a welcome person to talk to about magic and and other things so yeah i, was, I mean you know you know me i'm running a podcast that means i love to talk so <laughs> yeah yeah well this has been great this is yeah uh, this has been absolutely great so so happy you. to have had you on today dana absolutely anytime actually in fact it, there will be another time i think probably next month i'm going to snag you we're going to talk a lot about arena so if you want to hear that you guys make sure you come back next month for that episode but don't miss out because this was only episode four and there are five more podcasts releasing this month alone covering everything that happened in 2022 for all of the biggest trading card games in the market as well as a wonderful look forward episode at the very end of the year looking forward to 2023 so a lot more to come for the main deck podcast i hope you guys do stay tuned and uh, and follow us subscribe on youtube if you need to catch them or or use your podcatcher to catch the pods uh whenever uh whenever they come out um, they, they come out late, usually hit it like a day or two later, unfortunately. I haven't figured out how to make that faster. I gotta figure that out, but that's when they get on there, so I'm sure you'll catch them there either way. Once again, a real quick shout out to our patrons who make everything we do possible. If you appreciate everything we're bringing to you guys, you guys are always welcome. Certainly not required to head to the Patreon link in the description and become a patron to get some cool little perks and some behind the scenes stuff and some, uh, and some, we're, we're planning on getting a few extra videos out to the patrons as well very soon. So, um, but otherwise, thanks. Thank you, patrons. And thank you everyone for watching today, whether or not you are a patron, just, uh, just being here really makes us smile and, um, really love hearing all your comments and seeing all the, all the reactions and everything to our videos. So we will catch you guys 
once again in the next episode of the main deck podcast coming um, next week <laughs> very soon. So thank you all for listening. Have a great night.